0: Welcome to Depth of Field, a panel discussion show from Around the Lens on topics of photography, videography, and visual journalism. I'm your host, Benny Davis, a former Air Force photojournalist and now photographer for the U.S. Marshals, and today we're going to be discussing post-military life with some fellow visual journalists. You can find out more about our show at Around the Lens in general, along with links to all of our social media at aroundthelens.com and my panelists today are former veterans and friends of mine uh mickey strand brian Aho, and matthew callahan gentlemen welcome and
1: thanks Thank for here. having us
0: all right boys uh, now that we got through that uh reading of the uh uh, let's get into it. Um, I'd like to go around the horn a little with you guys and uh, and just you know give a brief intro on who you are, where you came from, and uh, what you're doing now. And Matthew, let's start out with you.
2: Sure thing, Benny. Yep, yeah, my name is Matthew Callahan. So I served uh, served nine years in the Marine Corps. Half of that time was spent as a combat correspondent. Um, did a lot of photo, a lot of video work in the Marine Corps. Fell in love with it. Um, and now I. Uh, I'm working for Defense Media Activity as a video production guy for uh, the Navy.
3: And Brian? Hello, guys. Um, my name is Brian Aho. I d- did 20 years in the Navy as a uh, photojournalist, combat photojournalist, and retired after 20 and uh, joined Nikon. I uh, did eight years with Nikon, and now I'm working for the USDA uh, FSIS as a audiovisual production specialist. And Mickey, go ahead.
1: Well, thanks. My name is Mickey Strand, and I worked, uh, re- retired out of the Navy after 24 years. Uh, I served on board ships. I served on board uh, production labs in the, in the shore side. And I worked for a couple of years teaching, and I also got a chance to work with combat camera for about five, six years. And now I work for myself.
0: So tell us, what, what, is, what does that entail, Mickey? What do you what do on the
1: days? Well, I, I, have a couple of personal projects that I work on. Um, I have a couple of, uh, portraiture, uh, assignments that I was given many years ago, um, that kind of turned itself into an entire production. Uh, I document the veterans of world war II, um, the heroes of yesterday and the you know, world's greatest generation. And, uh, document their stories and take new portraits of them, quite often with an older portrait of themselves. And I uh, share those. I've uh, had a couple of small shows at, at places where, you know, like assisted living facilities that they're in. Um, and I actually last year had 96, 30 by 44 black and white, amazing prints in a museum. And I was actually invited into a museum and had a museum show for about five months.
0: Nice. And we'll get into some of the work and, uh, in a little bit on, on each of you uh, and tell a little bit about our story. Uh, Matt, I, had, I noticed uh, you're the only non retiree here. Um, so um, just, I wanna know what your mindset was after nine years, halfway through the military. Uh, what you were thinking and what you were planning on for the future. I mean, the the other the other three of us, you know, we got caught in the web for a little bit longer uh, than you. But uh, what
2: were you thinking, and and what was your transition period like? So uh, I was thinking about my legs and how I'd broken both of them in the service, and how another deployment probably would have uh, made me a useless human being for the remainder of my working days. So. Uh, that was kind of like a primary driver. What made you make that decision
0: at nine years? Uh, yeah,
2: yeah. So a lot of it just kind of had to do with my physical health. Um, I had I've broken both my legs in, in the Marine Corps. I, I snapped my right one in half on uh, my Afghan deployment like a month into it. Um, and my left one about a year and a half later uh, in a new unit. And so, um, but yeah, just those considerations, but also uh, – no, I wasn't really done telling the military story, and I knew that there's opportunities outside of active duty that could probably pay me better, and uh, I, the scope of the work would be a little larger than like a local base commander. Um, and that's that's exactly what I'm doing now. It's really cool. So those those are some of the motivating factors there for sure. Um, but I was just tired, man. <laughs> I was just tired. <laughs> Uh, Brian and, uh, and Mickey, uh,
0: Brian,
3: after talk about being tired, retiring after how many years? Uh, 20 years, just for me. It, not as long as Mickey 24, but, uh, um, much, much like Matt, I was, I was ready to go. And, um, you know, I was enjoying what I was doing, but, uh, I saw some light at the end of the tunnel and, and fighting my wonderful weight my entire life. I was not ready to deal with any more of that stuff. So I, uh, I pulled the pulled the cord and uh, got out after a 20, which I was very uh excited about. And uh yeah, I I have no regrets getting out doing my 20 or getting out when I did. Um it was fun pretty much the whole time through. Uh but it was time. Mickey, was it time for you, you know, uh, at
0: your 24 years, what was the the main deciding factor on you uh leaving?
1: Well, um to tell you the truth, Denfos kind of changed my life, but going and being an instructor kind of changed my life. And uh, I've always liked being a visual storyteller. I've always liked the craft. Um, I, but I liked teaching it better. Um, I really enjoyed that, and I needed one more tour to get to my twenty, and was offered uh, to work at the fleet in, uh, headquarters of Fleet Imaging in San Diego and head back to San Diego. So I. Took the job and kind of built up a classroom downstairs and and took my dinfo's instructor duty and turned to um, a west coast digital photo lab operators course and, and kind of built it up and helped a couple of friends build that up um and then i you know went around to the pacific fleet teaching uh photographers you know the field photographers and that was that was a lot of fun and I was kind of ready at 20. I'd kind of prep myself up and be ready to be done. And, and you know, I'd, like everybody else, my body wasn't doing as well as it could anymore. And um, I was thinking that it was come time to be over. Um, I had made, as part of headquarters, I had made one combat deployment from 9 uh, 11. I was in country eight days later. Um, we just yanked everybody who was available and and handed a new uniform and, and headed out the door. So I'd had a feel for that, but uh, I got offered the opportunity to be the LCPO combat camera for an additional four years. And I couldn't not take that job. I mean, it's the pinnacle of a combat photographer in the Navy is to, to run that unit and have, you know, 51 guys working for you. And then inversely you working for them, Uh, you know, being of service that, that, job there taught me of being of service uh, to my fellow sailors
0: yeah my story is you know pretty much similar to uh, a culmination of each of yours uh you know I I too was uh was struggling with uh, with being hurt and and damaged goods uh after essentially breaking my back you know in in service and then um trying to carry on and I was fortunate very fortunate that I got into a non-deployable non-deployable assignment with Airman Magazine um, for, gosh, the last, essentially the last 12, 13 years of my career. Uh, the last two being with DMA, which Airman Magazine fell under DMA as well, but transferring over to uh, the Defense Information School, as Mickey talked about, to to teach for the last two years and kind of give it all back, as as we say in our community, and was very fortunate to to make my 20, and, um, and that had always been a goal of mine. I didn't reach all my military goals uh, because of you know, just once injured and you're and you're you're facing boards and some different things on on your injuries on where you can deploy or what you can do, it, it becomes a it becomes a whole different ballgame. But um, it was right around the 14, 15 year mark that I started really thinking about, you know, what's next, right? And um, I know for a lot of us, especially for the, the three of us, and I know for many, many more, you know, uh, military, you know, visual journalists, uh, we have a great community around us, not only with, you know, the peers that we work with, but industry as well that work with us uh, and teach us and mentor us, you know, through the DoD workshops and through the Syracuse program and all these other things we, we can get guidance. And the the writing was on the wall and the change of the industry uh, during my during my time. I was in that time from switching from film to digital to watching the industry change and then, you know, trying to figure out what's going to happen next. And I'm pretty sure that all three of you came to that, uh, you know, came to that crossroads as well on, on what's going to be next. Because prior to our generation, a lot of those folks went directly into newspapers or magazines, you know, as editors or photographers or whatever. And that community had always welcomed us with open arms as, you know, military photographers, you know, stepping into that world. But those things kind of dried up in a sense, I think that you guys would all attest to um, do you have any stories about what you were thinking, what you wanted to do, what your hope was, and how the industry and everything around you kind of made your mind
3: on what you were going to be doing? Well, I, I can start first. I I knew um, fairly early on in my Navy, Navy career th- what my plans were gonna be, or what I, th- what I hope my plans were gonna be when I got out. Um, I was lucky, just like you said, it's we're a close knit group. And I was introduced to a a photographer, Eddie Adams, uh, early on in my career. And uh, I got lucky, he liked me. He invited me up to this workshop to be on the the team that staffs the workshop called the Black Team. And uh, I got invited back every year since then. Um, So building those relationships, building that network, and that's huge, you know, building a network while you're in active duty and 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 reaching out to people out on the outside, which I like again was very lucky in in doing that. Um, I got all the information fed to me, you know, if I had a question, I reached out, um, and so I knew and and pushed hard um, to the where the in my case Nikon, and I was like in 10 years, I'm retiring. I'm coming to work for you. And then every year I would see Bill Paquela and I'd be like, all right, eight more years, I'm coming to work for you. And, you know, I, I, just like Mickey said, I'm a storyteller. I love, you know, visual storytelling um, and working at Nikon is not so much doing that, but I knew based off of friends who worked for Nikon, and what Bill Picayla was telling me that I'd have opportunity to do my own uh, projects and storytelling, so, um, and, you know, we'll get into the Nikon job, but it was unbelievable. And Mickey, for you.
1: Um... Well, you know, Benny, to tell you the truth, um, when when I was done, you said, did you know you were done? I kind of knew I was done, but couldn't turn down the opportunity of doing that last four years and, you know, giving back to the the career field and and, and I enjoyed the heck out of it, you know? Um, I didn't do a lot of deployment, which was probably not great for my career, um, but I stayed back and took care of all the guys that were doing all the deployments. You know, I got little jobs here and there and stuff like that. And I really didn't do much shooting over the last couple of years of my life. I did a lot of administration, a lot of taking care of guys, you know, a lot of trying to figure out how to get guys into, into you know crazy, nasty, ugly places and then more better how to get them out of there. Um, so uh, I, I enjoyed the heck out of that. Um, so I planned on doing nothing, honestly. Um, I, I put money away every month from the time I thought I was going to get out until when I got out, you know, they, they say you put some money aside so that you have that three months or four months of transition money and stuff like that. Well, I mean, I ended up with an extra four years out of that, of putting that money aside. So I had enough money not to really have to do anything other than, you know, enjoy myself, enjoy my motorcycle, grow my beard and just, uh, you know, just be a vagabond and enjoy life for a couple of months. Um, and I actually had enough money to do it for a couple of years. Technically. Um, I didn't last that long, but I told myself I wasn't going to do anything for six months and I didn't pick a camera up for six months. I barely got onto, you know, social media and and kept in communication. I, I really needed to make a severance from my military life to my post-military life, you
0: know? And Matthew, you mentioned as well, that you knew that you wanted to continue telling, you know, the military story. And then that translated from the Marines and, uh, you know, being the Department of Defense's photographer and videographer of the year, right after that, you, you transferred out. And then now, you know, you're, you're telling the, the Navy story with, with all hands. And um, can you talk a little bit about that transition? How long did it take? What, what that was like,
2: what your goals were? Oh, man. So, I mean, it was, it's so sticky. Like, I think, you know, uh, what's the phrase? Like, every plan fails first contact. Yeah, that's, that's kind of like uh, the inevitable stumbling line, I think, for almost every service member when they leave. Um, In whatever way, shape or form, my lived experience is just like, I was at the tail end of a crummy relationship, a marriage. Um, So, but we had planned for me to like, you know, spots are opening and closing at DMA on a fairly frequent basis, like every other couple of years or so. So, um, but I just waited a long time. And during the time of my waiting, I, uh, the grace of my aunts, they let me live with them while I was divorcing my wife. Um, and I worked at Best Buy for about eight months, nine months, uh, selling computers. To folks, it's actually really good at it. Turns out I'm a really good salesman. Um, I like computers. Ironically, I was I started in the camera department, you know, the camera experience shop at Best Buy. Um, they're it's actually really cool. But I I I, I learned very quickly that like the, the average consumer base is not attuned to hearing the differences between four different cameras of the same brand, it just doesn't make much a whole ton of sense. So I got out of cameras as. I, I like when they they kicked me out of cameras to go work at computers, because computers is the moneymaker Best Buy. Um, and uh, I was like, thank God, because uh I cannot I explaining cameras to folks who don't know cameras every, all day is really weird. But uh, yeah, I just kind of stuck at it. And what ended up happening was the the, the jobs jobs eventually opened up, right? So I'm an audio visual production specialist. Um it a, It's a GS 12 spot. Uh We ended, I ended up just, uh, we had to like fight the government and by, by we, I mean my, my current girlfriend and I, um, she was a technical writer back in her day before she made herself into a cloud architect. So she, uh, she's really good at the writing thing. Um, but anyway, they, they basically had, uh, what was it gotten rid of, they rejected my application because I didn't have the word podcast in it It is a USA jobs thing. So if there's a point to anything I'm saying right now, it's that it's it's long, it can be long, it can be hard, extremely boring, painful, a um, little, little miserable, um, and I think, yeah, that's kind of the best way I can describe it. It's worth persevering through, and then again, it depends on what situation you find yourself in, but it's tough. It's weird. It's fucking super weird. Excuse my language, but yeah. <laughs>
1: You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm to baby back on that. Matt, Brian, and I were actually talking a little bit earlier today um, about the fact that uh, tuning your application in USA Jobs, if you want to stay in the government and you want to, you know, continue to be a service in the government, and if you enjoy the, you know, the camaraderie of of that fellowship and stuff like that. Um, Yeah, writing a resume and having a tuned resume for every specific, I mean, I I didn't learn that until well after I got out of the military is that I needed to have a CV to work on production jobs. Uh, you know, I didn't know what a CV was and I needed to have a resume that said I could do this and then I could do this and then I could do this and I also could do this, but I needed five different resumes. I didn't need one resume that said I could do everything. I needed a resume that said I could be a still photographer, a production photographer, a, a, a portrait photographer, uh, an instructor. I spent most of my you know ending days in the Navy as, as an instructor and that was what most of my resume was based off of. So, right. you know, I, I I feel you. I know Brian feels you on that one. Right. I
3: mean, I when I was getting out of the the Navy, um I had I put in applications uh like through USA jobs, I think about five USA jobs applications, and I I was still a little hesitant about um uh what type of work in the GS world? Because I wasn't familiar with it. I mean, I asked questions, and I'm, I'm going to get to a you know, basically, that's the big key is asking questions. Um, so I, I, I you know, looked at all the USA jobs and I just picked a few that I knew familiar with. I taught at Dimfo, so I was like, that's where I'm going to apply to. But I also applied at other jobs like Nikon, um, Washington Times, and a few other jobs. And uh, just like uh uh Mickey was talking about I had I had gotten advice they said when you when you read the 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 announcement curtail your your uh resume add some of those words from the announcement into your into your resume and so I you know I ended up I was telling Mickey earlier today I ended up having two GSA jobs accept me at the same time and I had to choose one because at the time Nikon actually hired internally and I didn't get that job right away. So um, I worked at Dimfos for two and a half months before Nikon was like, well, we do want you to come back or come back. So,
0: no, I, I understand those uh, <laughs> that process uh, very well myself. I can tell you that um, for me, it was, it was about that time when you're starting to get worried about what's next, right? So you're, you know, you're, you know, you're on your last couple tours or whatever, you know, the, the finish lines around the corner and, um, and you're looking around and trying to think plan out, you know um, what are you going to do? How, how am I going to care for my family? What's going to be next? The retirement checks. Great. The, the, the benefits are great. It's not going to take care of everything. Um, and I didn't have, you know, I didn't have a, a little nest egg or anything else uh, saved up as, as to take care of myself as much as I would have loved to, right? Um, I looked around at you know some of our friends at you know Mary Calvert at the the Washington Times, and they're getting pin slips. You know I'm 15 years in, and I always thought, well, maybe I'll I'll, I'll join a newspaper. Maybe I'll pick up an editing gig here because a couple of my mentors had, had done the same. Maybe I'll go to Nikon because a couple of my mentors you know, had, had done the same. I'd watched Brian Dunnett, Mark Kent and a couple of our, uh, our friends uh, make that transition. And, um, and man, it was scary. It, it really was because at that time, you know, mid two thousands you're watching, or, you know, I think it was like 2000 in, you know, eight or nine, uh, when I was watching everybody else uh, in the industry, just these, everything was, was folding. It seemed like it was folding. And it looked very bleak for us in a sense of, you know, what we can do on the outside. Are we going to be out there with the rest of the freelancers um, at a much older age than a lot of freelancers um, starting brand new? Um, or what was going to be the outcome? And uh, that's when I made the decision that I think that the GS, the, the government service work was probably the best way to stay attuned to that community. And then, you know, also continue carrying a camera for, for the military and, and telling the stories that we love to tell. Um, and I too, I, I, took a, I took a writing course on how to write for USA jobs and how to write resumes. And, and, um, and I was I was very fortunate right out of Denfos. Um, you know, I put, in a, uh, I put in for a job right when I retired, I put in for a job, two months later, I was picked up to be a Denfos instructor. But there was something that I learned um, that is key for government service. If you're going into government service, and that is your first step into government service, is the most important. It's uh, it's where you land and how you're going to go forward, right? So, I I was so nervous about how what was going to happen next, um, and that next, in that six months, you know, because there's a six month post waiting period now for military members that get out before they can enter government service work. Um, but I was worried in that in that that time frame, and I. I enjoyed my little bit of retirement for a couple of months, but um, of you know transitioning, you know back into, into into government service. But I was I was very fortunate and uh, and got right back into Denfos. It wasn't it was not at the rate that I wanted to be at or the grade that I wanted to be at, but it was a job, and it was something I loved to do, and that kind of outweighed everything. And been fortunate since to be able to get you know, in the last four years of being out of the military to have you know, receive two different promotions and to land where I am now with the US Marshals has been fantastic. But uh, you guys have all touched on something that's very important when you're talking about USA jobs. Cause I know even a lot of our friends out there, I know, I know Pulitzer Prize winning photographers that have sent me resumes while I was a government service photographer and asking how can I get in? Because they wanted that job security. And, um, and that's something that, was, that I knew that that's what was gonna be the case for, for me. And I can see with, with, with a couple of you as well was there's so much job security in, in federal work and doing what we do because we were all good at it at, at that point. Um, and you know, we were wanted back into the service, but uh, that was the big factor was, was it all came down to security. Now thinking think, about
2: this, go ahead, Matt. <clears throat> oh, can I just, uh, it, yeah, please uh, just uh, yeah. jump off that for a second? Um, I think it's like what you just said is, is really is really important to um, and something for folks like transitioning out and me as someone who's pretty fresh, I got out in 2018 mm-hmm. um, and I got my job at all hands in like, my first day where it was February 2019, actually a month before pandemic really started to kick off, um, super fortunate. But, um, you know, generally speaking, I mean, I know you said it, Benny yourself, like other folks said it like, hey, we want you at DMA, like, you know, we want you there um you know and i know i have like the the skill set i know i had the skill set to work at dma Uh, despite all those things like there's still uh something important note is just that like defense logistics agency does not care (laughs) no one cares um and obviously like they have to play that They, they have to like there's a rule book they have to follow but um yeah it's uh even even if like you have just the the littlest little technical mistake will will ruin your chances of your resume being seen by the person that's looking to hire somebody on their staff. And again, for me, it was it was literally I called them, I called DLA, and I was like, "Hey, why was why were these applications rejected? There's more than enough experience on here. This doesn't make any sense. Well, you didn't have the word podcast in your in your resume, and so that told me one thing right up front. Like that told me something immediately. That's that. You know and this is kind of like it's like a open secret if you will technically speaking defense logistics agency and usa jobs is not allowed to just basically look at the bullet points of the job posting and only go off of that and try to find that in your resume but that's precisely what they did with mine and that's what they probably do with thousands of resumes every week um so we fought them on it you know a fire email back like hey uh no, actually, that's not what's going to happen here. This doesn't make any sense. And, you know, we constructed an argument, in like a legal argument, basically, threatening them. Um, and they, they ended up shooting themselves in the foot even further because one of the representatives got back to me and was like, well, actually, we didn't count any of your military service because it's not really comparable to that of a GS-12. And I was like, oh, really? Okay. So my girlfriend and I, we go to the OPM guidelines and look up all the rules and very explicitly it states multiple times, military rank cannot be equated to experience. So we just played that game with them, you know, and there's a lesson in that too. And it's just, it's a bureaucracy. You're going to have to get friction. You're going to, there's going to be friction with it. You're going to have to get close to it. You're going to have to poke it sometimes. Um, if you want to get what you want out of it, that's the lesson there. And that's what we did. So anyway, right. Just a, to just a
1: bounce for two seconds, just so everybody remembers that the, the, the GS world is not everything and anything and all of everything that, that is post-military career. I mean, uh, and not to toot my own horn, but uh, I never know, honestly, from month to month, I never know where I'm going to be, what I'm going to be doing, who I'm going to be doing it for. Um, and, and honestly, if you want to work on the outside, you can work. Uh, you need to work. You need to have a pull sheet. You need to have, uh, you know, multiple, like we said, you need to have multiple resumes. You need to have multiple photographic resumes. Um, somebody calls you up and says, hey, can you do some product photography? You need to have a, a, a junk a folder full of product stuff that you have lit and that you have flagged and that you have screened and scrimmed and done all those types of things. And if you haven't done those things and you want to work in that world, then you need to go out and shoot some of those things, whether it's coffee cups at home or figurines, um, you know, and you want to, you know, play around with those and get really good at, at, at those, Um, you know, find a project that entertains your brain for a while. Uh, you know, my portrait project was, was that. It was something to entertain my brain um, and something that I wanted to work on my talent at. Um, and it turned into, you know, a million times more than I ever thought this little self assignment was going to turn into. Um, and, and now, like I said, I, I get a phone call from a production studio that I work with up north, and um, I put in four to six days a month with the production studio. Um, I don't have to deal with the clients other than be polite to them. I don't have to go out and find them. I get hired to come in and take pictures because I've proven that I can come in and take pictures. You know, and it may just be come in, shut up, do the job, crank out some production. And and sometimes production photography is long and hard hours but it pays the bills so that you can afford to do the other fun stuff that you want to do like my portrait project. So I have money to do it.
3: Right. And just like um, to jump on that is you know, the GS world is nice. It's a security blanket. I I get it. I wasn't part of it for eight years, but now that I am, I mean, I, I I understand. Um, And it's nice to have that, that security blanket, but just like Mickey was saying, uh, you're going to find work. You're going to be able to get work. And at, when I was an instructor at DIMFOs and the instruction that you received at DIMFOs, I'm, I'm sure was the same, they're giving you the tools. And, you know, I, I, you know, happened to do 20 years and was proactive in reaching out and trying to learn and pick people's brains just so I knew I was, you know, in 20, at the 20th year, I was planning on getting out. So um, be proactive. You've got the you've got the tools given to you by the military. Um, so don't, I I didn't sweat it. You know, that's what we were talking about is, you know, how did you feel when your time was coming up? I had I had no issues. I was like, I'm ready. I know I got uh, um, military retirement pay coming in. I, you know, um, and I, like I said, I applied for USA jobs and, and got uh, two of them right away. So, I had no, I, I was literally retired on a Friday, the 31st and was working at Dimfos the next Monday. So I, I haven't had any time off, <laughs> but you're going to find work. Don't sweat it.
0: No, I think it's, it's, that's definitely a good point. And everybody's you know story and transition is is of course different. Um, you're right. The GS community and do what we do. Going back into uh, you know, for some of us, I went right back to where I was working. You know, essentially at Denfo's, and then right back over to Airman Magazine as DMA transferred me back to my old position. And uh, and I was you know photographing and writing again for for Airman Magazine, which I did for so many years. Um, was very fortunate. Uh, but Brian, you're absolutely right. We were given a, 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 a skill set, right, that uh, is, you can absolutely just, you know, you bust your ass and, and, and you can do it. You can make it. We've seen many of people do it. Uh, we've got friends of ours, fellow veterans, uh, we'll say like an Aaron Ansaroff or, or somebody that just, they, they find projects and they put their mind to it and, and they create and, um, and make beautiful work. There's so many, so many success stories of folks that have gotten out of the military and gone on to. I've got a friend. We, you know, a couple of us have a friend that's now shooting for the New York Times. Or we have, you know, folks that are that are running their own, you know, photo studios um, or doing, you know, creative, you know, um, you know, more on the art side of, of the house. Um, there's folks that are photo editing that, that are out there that are still in in
3: inside of the the visual world um, and absolutely love it. Um, and podcasting. Man. I mean, JT. You know, is known for his brilliance on the still side, but now he's he's recreated himself and did is doing this podcast. that's just phenomenal, and he you know he got some a lot of that skills while he was in active duty. I mean, so it, you're going to be all right.
2: And, and just go, and, just go and do it. Yeah, yeah, just go and do
1: it. I mean, Drew Giracy. I mean, come on, the guy—the guy, you know—is written the book when it comes to stop motion or time lapse photography. I mean, there's—I mean, he's—he's the guy that that kind of you know companies are going to and saying, "I need this." I mean, he currently right now is on a major motion picture job right now inside of COVID, and he's still working. You know, so if you work and you get decent at what you do and you just keep grinding. Um, the opportunity also come.
0: Absolutely believe that. You're right. Drew's doing fantastic work with, uh, with District 7 Media. And, uh, you know, former Navy photojournalist went through the Syracuse program, uh, like a few of us, and, um, and, you know, doing fantastic work just on time-lapse. He found, I, we always heard, you know, and a lot of folks would tell us in the, in the photo world, find your niche, right? Find what you love to do whatever it is so we we've got we've got veterans out there that are that are doing it i mean drew shot you know for most of you will know like the house of cards you know intro uh for for that netflix uh series uh and then now again he's out on doing motion pictures and and doing intros for movies and 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 doing plates and stuff you know
1: down in south america you you know house of cards actually he got the job because he was out practicing and he was getting good at and he was Publishing that work and putting it out there so people could see it, and then the you know the people at House of Cards called him up and said, "Hey, this is really cool. We want to license this work." And and the guy figured out how to license work that he was you know creating and how to in essence get hired to build license catalogs.
0: Yeah, true, um, and doing fantastic stuff. Uh, speaking of side projects, we've got somebody on this panel here that uh, started a side project that uh, they love. Um, and has gathered some acclaim across social media on the work that for Galactic Warfighters there, Matt. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your project and show us
2: some of the work that you've done and what inspired you? Yeah, sure. Um, so that's that project um, that started in DINFOS, actually. Uh, and we were going through the photo side of the course, the public affairs course. and said a couple oh actually it was uh a buddy of mine who had a few six inch stormtrooper figures and you know we added a little assignment one day and i took the figure out and photographed it we just you know <laughs> <laughs> sorry i got a text um it was a good joke but uh yeah it was just a means of uh again it was just like i think like. Um, yeah, Mickey had said earlier, just, just as a means of, you know, kind of experimenting and practicing, uh, you know, just working the camera, working the mechanics of it, and just kind of learning how shutter speed, aperture, all that really kind of works in conjunction with itself. Um, the photos turned out pretty cool. I really liked them. Um, everyone else kind of did too. It was really neat. Uh, so, started diving into that, and uh, that was 2013. I've just, I still photograph toys, um, and I'll bring this all up for you now. Let's share my screen. Let's see, uh, let's go to here. This is some of the more uh, recent stuff. You guys see that all right? Everyone see that okay? I'm just on my Instagram right now, but let's go to the website. I don't have any on this on this machine. Um, my machine's just not good enough to support a mirrorless camera as a webcam so you know we're on the uh, slightly faster but one that has none of my stuff on it so we have to go with the web but yeah so the whole concept and idea behind the project and like where I kind of found its visual voice for me was um, it's just like a, a boots-on-the-ground perspective like work correspondence perspective of like the Star Wars universe um, with like appropriate captioning like you know just basic dry AP style you know these people do this here on this day, this happens, you know, Um, the same way that we were learning how to write captions, um, write stories like hard news stories um, and just kind of like use strategic communication, journalism, all these elements together. Kind of, I kind of was able to synthesize into this project and have some fun with it. Um, But it's like a love letter to the military and to my love of star Wars. Uh, I always knew I was going to be in the military. I didn't know I was going to be a Marine, but you know, things happen. I wanted to be a fighter pilot. Cause you know, like everyone else, I saw Top Gun when I was really little and it was my first true love in cinema. But yeah, so these are all 12 inch figures. Um, it's not going to look as grand here.
1: And we've been getting into
2: some other stuff with, uh, portraits. I got a couple of projects I'm working right now. Let's let's zoom into this a bit. Well, we can do that. There we go. Whoop. But We have some fun with it. I don't you really know a where letter it's to the military. Yeah.
0: And now have you uh, I noticed on a couple of the first few you kind of recreated
2: some military scenarios, correct? I have, yeah. Uh, one site, let me.
1: Well, I'll ask so, you, Matt. Me... I, I had heard a rumor that some of these originally started as kind of recreations of some of the images that you had captured originally out in Fallujah or uh, Boots on Ground somewhere.
2: Um, yes and no. So the the narratives got kind of mixed up. I guess like uh, I need to go to like a like an actual like brand strategy class or something because it kind of. I mean, well, that's kind of the weird thing about having a personal project that kind of goes, like, you know, gets some attention is people infer what they want from the work that you make, and they always will. And they, you will never be able to tell somebody what your work means to them. Um, so fun fact, <laughs> don't ever forget it. Uh, that's how it works most of the time, unfortunately. Unfortunately, it's a gift and a curse kind of situation. Um. But, yeah, there are, you know, recreations. A, a lot of my stuff is kind of recreations of my own imagery, whether it was in training or forward deployed. Um, no combat stuff, really. Um, but uh, Syria, I was in Syria. I, was, I documented uh, some artillery folks doing their thing, trying to find. So, like, here's a fun one. This is, like, this is just a, a mortar shot, right? This is a recreation of uh, fellow Marines image that she made, uh, Elise McKelvey, fantastic artist all around, super, super, super good, working in multiple mediums. This is her original photograph. You know, obviously, we have to play with perspective and stuff a little bit. Um, I don't have the real estate to have like a, a full blown studio. Um, and kind of photograph at, like, my waist level. So I'm not constantly, like, bending over and stuff. But we're figuring it out as we go. Um, that was, like, kind of one. There's uh, the one you're probably more familiar with is yeah, – yeah, we'll find it down here somewhere. <sighs> Tell me, Matthew, what at what point
0: in your military career did you fall in love with what we do? Um,
2: hmm. It's not that i'm in love with what we do or that i'm in love with the military it's just it's hard work it's a lot of work it's a lot most of the time and you can all attest to this it's you know it's it's 90 minutes of sitting around and doing nothing and 10 seconds of the most breathless exhausting stuff you've ever done in your life that's kind of how it works um but as we kind of like as i progressed in my career as i you know as the years went by and i Went from being an infantryman over to a correspondent. Some of my favorite things to photograph were, um, you know, just people, like in, like marines in vulnerable, posi- in in positions of vulnerability mostly, and you know that's important because it, it kind of it, it you know, it, it takes them out of the two dimensional space and it cr- it makes them a real human. And I kind of figured that out, and that's what I fell in love with. I fell in love with kind of telling those little stories, um, and just. You know like on an image like this you know i just this kind of became my low-key mission in the military is to try to just get close and just like get quiet stuff like this um because most of the audience that we're speaking to views the military and the marine corps whatever as this weird monolithic you get an m16 and you get an m16 and everyone goes to afghanistan to get blown up for oil um and it's, like, eh, a little more nuanced than that. Everybody has their own motivations, aspirations, dreams. Um, and uh, left and right lateral limits. And, you know, for a lot of Marines, these folks here, like, their left and right lateral limits, for what they could tolerate was extremely wide. And just being able to be there to capture that on multiple occasions. You know, just getting to do as like, my day job. Like, hey, go to the field for a week. And, you know just cover these folks, just doing what they do, just being soaking wet and disgusting and doing some hardcore training so that one day, maybe, possibly, they might be able to use it. It's kind of neat.
0: Now, Mickey and, and Brian, and, and thanks, Matt, for sharing um, you know, that with us. Um, at what point in your career was, did you know, because I mean, a lot of people on the outside world, they don't understand that for a lot of us, we weren't guaranteed this job. This wasn't something that we came in to do um, for a lot of folks that, that are visual journalists for the military or public affairs, uh, for that matter now, or mass communicators, if you will, um, they're handed this job. And, um, and some of us will say that they're very fortunate, but there's a lot of them that just don't get it. And it doesn't work for them. It takes, it takes a special breed as we all know in this career field. Um, so, but at what point did you know, this is what you were supposed to be doing or what you wanted to do? Um, obviously. And, uh, what point was that in your career?
1: Well, for me, I I joined the Navy as an undesignated airman and was headed to the flight deck to learn to chalk and chain planes and, and do stuff like that. Um, I was really fortunate. I think uh, destiny was set some some you know boundaries in front of me and some walls for me to bounce off of. Um, and when I first got to the aircraft carrier, there was another guy in the indoctrination. Grouping division who was a photographer and who had just been through a school and was working in the photo lab and we happened to be on the same duty section and we hung out a little bit and um he brought me down to the photo lab and I had all through high school and my dad was an amateur photographer. We had a little dark room in the basement. You know, it, it was Wisconsin. We had a gun shed that we turned into, uh, you know, a dark room because it, it was a room that closed and locked and, and was, was you know, secure type of deal. So, um, you know, I was sink lining black and white paper through an Omega, uh, you know, at, at 13, 14, 15 um, and never really thought that it was going to be a life for me. But uh I, you know, on a duty night, ended up down there, and I thought this was so cool because they had machines that you could put paper in that you had exposed in an enlarger, and it would come out dry with the print on the other end in 50-some-odd seconds, and this was the most amazing thing I had ever seen because I had sync-lined and been hand-doing stuff my entire life through high school and, you know, working with my dad and stuff like that and, you know, playing around with my cameras, so... Um, so I kind of hung out. I, I, you know, would print regular production jobs for them. And one day the division officer came out and said, what are you doing? Uh, oh, I'm, you know, it's a reenlistment, sir. And, and, oh, you're working on my work. Uh, yes, sir. I just was helping, you know, this guy, you know, get the job done so we could go out and have a cigarette or, you know, whatever it was. Um, and he's like, well, what do you, show me what you're doing. And I brought out the work and he's like, well, where's your waste. And I showed him how much waste I had. And he's like, you know how to do this don't you I was like well yes sir he's like well why didn't you come in the navy as a photographer well I couldn't do and wasn't available and I I needed to get out of the you know my life in Wisconsin etc and uh, I was fortunate that uh, he went to bat for me Uh, air department said no that they weren't going to lose me I was going to be a guy on with boots on the deck and he went up to the admin officer and and uh, you know came down to me and handed me a piece of paper that was an interdepartmental transfer and had this huge green line across it. And we all know in the Navy, green means XO and, and it, would, it had been and had the XO signature on it. No, I, I was gonna be a photographer. Um, and I was really fortunate, you know? So having had a little experience and then being willing to do a little extra work uh, on one of my days off, uh, definitely paid and got me in the door, and I eventually was able to strike in and take the pH three test and and start my actual career. But no, I was going to be a deck sailor or you know a, a aviation bosun's mate originally when I joined the navy. So I worked my butt off to to get down into the photo lab, you know, and start my career.
0: Brian, at what point in your career did did you know that this was was what you were going to do
3: for the rest of your life? Well, I, I was talking to Mickey earlier today and, um, I, I have always known I wanted to be a photographer. Um, ever since my father put a camera in my hand and when I don't have a camera in my hand, I'm not in a good mood and I'm not very happy person. Um, so I came in, (laughs) I came in right as the first Gulf War was starting and at the recruiters, um. I was signing the paperwork and stuff just day one and a camera crew came in and, uh, from the news and they're like, well, why do you want to join the Navy? Um, you know, we're going to war. Are, are you scared or anything? I was like, no, I'm not scared. And, and they're like, well, what do you, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be a, a war correspondent. I mean, that's, you know, uh, seeing the imagery and, and war images, um, from past, I was just like, that's what I want to do. Um, And there's other reasons why I joined the Navy, but I mean, I knew once I was set on that, joining the military, um, I, I knew I wanted to be a photographer in the military. So I knew, um, coming in that, you know, I, I, I was a photographer before I joined. I knew what I wanted to do. I was in, I made sure that, well, I didn't know anything about the military first off. So (laughs) I was an undesignated seaman, if anybody knows what that is. And uh, so for two years, I was on the deck department doing that stuff. But I, I did the five mod books that the Navy had and um, took the test. And uh, still, they would not make me a photographer. And I was getting out. And about a month and a half before I got out, I spoke with an admiral that I happened to work for. And he said, well, let me see what I could do for you. see uh, Ajo at the time. And uh, let's just say two weeks later, I had orders for, for uh, a school. Um, and so, you know, throughout my career, uh, I, I knew I just wanted to expand on, on uh, my knowledge base um, and I've you know, I can't emphasize this enough is make, get mentors, you know, Mark Kenton often helped me, uh, David Tucker helped me. There was, you know, there's just so many uh, Tom Spruduto was a huge help for me. Um, you know, then of course my mentor, uh, Chip Mari. I mean, he, he has always been my guide and, and led me in the right direction. And so as long as you have those people and you can find those people um, and you know what you want, you know, just go for it, ask the questions and it's gonna come to you, so. Yeah, I think uh, I was I was a fate as, you know, as fate would have its story as well. Uh,
0: my first, I remember my first ever thought about being a photographer was, you know, I was coming through some baseball cards and there was this picture of Mark McGuire from the Oakland Athletics. And um, he was standing there, just this super low perspective, looking up at him, holding a bat. He looks larger than life. And I was like, one day, I want to be the photographer for the baseball cards. Like that's, I thought in my head, you know, young kid, like there was specific photographers that just shot nothing but for baseball cards. And so that's where it all started. And, but then I put that past me, you know, um, and when I set to join the, the air force, I I didn't know that they had, you know, photographers at all, I, or that they even existed in the military at that point. And, um, I came in as a occupational therapist, uh, phys- you know, I wanted to go into sports medicine, staying in the sports realm and it uh, merged with physical therapy while I was in basic training. And the guy said, I'm sorry, but your job is gone. Uh, you have an option to go home or pick another job. And uh, the last, the last, you know, on the bottom of the list, it said, I remember, I remember the list. It said, you know, security forces, number one, cop, uh, the things that the Air Force needed. Uh, then it went into services, handing out towels at the gym and, you know, doing that type of thing. And the very bottom, it said still photographer. And I said, wow, still photographer. He's like, yeah, I guess we have photographers in in the air force. I was like, I want to do that. And he looked at the list and he goes, that job is one in 3,500. So your odds of getting that job is one in 3,500. And I was in basic, almost done with basic training. And I said, that's it. If you can't make me a still photographer, you know, I'm getting out. I'm just send me home because I had a guaranteed job. And uh, a couple days later they were passing out orders, you know, and uh, in, inside the, inside, you know, uh, basic training and said, still photographer, you're headed to Mountain Home, you know, ID. And I was like, oh man, I'm going to to Indiana. And they're like, oh, that's, that's Idaho fool. And <laughs> two things I didn't know. I didn't know that there was photographers in the Air Force and I damn sure didn't know that there was any of them in Idaho. Um, so and I was off on my way. Uh, but it was, uh, it was, you know, meeting people throughout my career, as you mentioned, Jeremy Locke, who uh, ended up becoming, you know, my mentor and, uh, and, and brother, my best friend, uh, that kind of guided me through my career. And that's, it, was this, it was that census community inside the military as, as military photographers and, and that visual, you know, just visual journalists in general. That community seemed so unique and so different than anything else I'd experienced in the military. And as photographers, we get to experience everything in the military, which is fantastic. One day I'm an electrician, another day I'm a plumber, the other whatever, because you're 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 out with them. And uh, our our community is is, is pretty cool. And uh, and the reason we're all here is in a sense because of our community. And that's what I think I fell in love with the community almost more than then the photography and then the photography kind of grew from there as I was being, you
3: know, mentored and, and, and brought up. So. And it's definitely, Um, it's a definitely tight knit family. And that's, you know, I call you all you, my friends and brothers and, and everybody's got so much skills out there that, you know, I cannot emphasize enough is just go ask like, you know, Matt, working with those figurines, he's learning lighting and just perspective. It's brilliant. You know? So if I need some lighting stuff, I'm going to go to Matt, you know, and, um, I'm now doing video. If we're going to transition into what we're doing after, um, I'm now doing video. And I worked at All Hands Magazine and we had to produce um, television spots. And so I started diving into Premiere and and Final Cut Pro back then and um, Avid and things like that. And I, di- I didn't have a video background. I you know, I would go out with the the videographers and do shoot my stills and see what they were doing and then watch them sometimes in the editing room, but I didn't really pay close attention. So I, I latched on to, to people who did. And, um, you know, I, I, I got lucky. My best friend is Shane McCoy and he was brilliant at editing and, and, you know, as a still photographer, as we all know, and I, he schooled me and, um, you know, so I can't emphasize enough. We're close-knit family and everybody's got great skills that you can pick
1: so brian that
0: and on top of that i by the way i'm sorry go ahead benny action figures brian that's what they're called
3: (laughs) what did i call them (laughs) matt playing with his
0: figurines Uh, (laughs) i mean they
2: can can be whatever you want them to be baby
1: it's fine all right matt (laughs) you know and it's uh, i want to back onto on what, what both of you guys were saying about the community is the community is is very we're we're very together we're very useful for each other we're very you know we're always there for each other um i have a charity christmas portrait thing that i do with uh, the the homeless shelter or the the veterans shelter down here in san diego um and i put a feeler out for I thought I was going to do this little project and I was going to take 10 or 15, you know, Christmas portraits of these guys who were getting off the street and, and you know, stopping drugs and this and that. And, and um, when I walked in the door and was actually given permission to do this, I found out there were a hundred residents, not 15 residents. Um, and I put my feelers out and said, Hey, I, I need help with this. Um, I need people who have got gear. I need people who have got studio gear. I need people who got printers and are willing to come in and help me set this up. And you know, our community is, is very big hearted and, you know, wanting to give back and be of service to their fellow veteran. Um, and uh, we set up four production studios and four printing labs. And, you know, we were shooting a portrait and giving a, giving a picture before the veteran, you know, walked out the door that day. Um, and emailing them the JPEG so that they could share it with their family and friends. And dude, we shot portraits of people who had said that they hadn't had their picture taken. You know, they'd lived on the street for eight years or 15 years or whatever, and hadn't had a picture taken since their military days. You know, and you ask them, what are you going to do with this picture? Um, and they're like, well, you know, it's the first picture that I actually look like a human being again. And I think I'm going to give it to my mom. You know, and, you know, if you can do well by your craft and, um, and you know, definitely do it. But at, when you're when you're stuck and you need that help, ask like Brian and Benny were both saying, ask because the people want to do stuff. They just quite often don't know how to start stuff. You know, everybody want I had 22 volunteers, not last year because it was COVID. But the year before that, I had 22 volunteers and four portrait studios and you know, six editors and hair and makeup. And I mean, it turned into this monster project all with the, the first starter was I just wanted to do, you know, some nice portraits for some people who, you know, were getting back on their feet and doing the right thing.
0: Mickey, why don't you show us a little bit of that the portrait work that you've been working on in, in kind of your project as it's progressed?
1: Um, well, the help portrait, let me share a screen here. Let me find one of the... Well, here's the 2017. So let me share the screen and my photos and I'll just bounce through. I think I can turn this.
0: We can see it. Well, here.
1: Okay. So we got a bunch of us together and, um, like I said, we set up four portrait studios, um, and one guy set up to do full links. So if, somebody wanted to go over and get full links the 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 home the veterans village of san diego which is a substance abuse and treatment facility gets veterans off the street so that they can you know get into programs and get help with the va and a lot of these guys have never actually applied to the va don't know what their benefits are stuff like that um and they uh they help them get started with that and so you know we set up and and I set up a, a simple headshot type of thing thinking that these guys could use them for their LinkedIn or for their Facebook profiles or, or what have you never realizing exactly how emotional this project would end up actually being. It was, a uh, uh, Jeremy, um, I, I went to a photo conference and heard somebody speak about this and it's a national It's called the Help Portrait Project. It's a national project that uh, they're not even running the project because it just kind of runs itself now. So photographers who want to go out and be of service to uh, a people in their community and uh, shoot portraits for, you know, this family had never had a family portrait done, you know, and he you know was just getting off the streets and getting back to, you know, being exposed to his family. This guy was super happy because he had new teeth. You know, drugs had let him down a line that, you know, his dental care wasn't the greatest in the world. And he was super happy about the fact that he had new teeth, you know, and, and we facilitated the opportunity for him to smile and share that smile with, with the rest of the world, you know, with the people that are, are special in his life. That's awesome. sometimes it was families sometimes it was people sharing a, a moment with their pet or somebody else's pet this dog got shot like 16 times I think that day because um, it was just adorable um, you know and I've got a friend of mine Bruce that that loves to do these really shallow tight lovely portraits with you know depth of field of a 1.2 lens or something like that um, and then I've got other guys that I work in a studio with I, I actually share studio space with, four other photographers and we share the space we share a calendar just a google calendar and uh we sometimes work together and we often work apart but uh it's definitely a way to to share the rent and not have to deal with you know 100 percent of having your own infrastructure and 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 your space so again it was we, just go ahead what are you working
0: on though mickey like um, you started with these, that one project that that turned into you know um, to this larger project. But then I know you've also branched out to a, f- a couple other different
1: veteran projects as well. Well, I am, uh, where is my, there's the, uh, beyond the cut, oh, there's my VPS all. So, so I photograph veterans of World War II. Again, it was just one of these. It started off as a personal project. It started off as a, a mentor who said, you know, well, we were we were working on a shoot and we did some portraiture and i said "Well, i'm not really very good at portraiture all my portraiture looks the same it all looks like military portraiture it all is you know this broad three-quarter lighting it's all you know rembrandt lighting or broad lighting and and he said well you know you should shoot one portrait a month for me then um you might want to find a subject that you're interested in learning about because i'd like you to interview the guys so that you get to know them so that you get a little more vested in doing a nice portrait for the person. Um, so I started on, a, on bikers, I just, you know, cause I thought they were entertaining and that they had a lot of character in their faces and stuff like that. Um, but it turned into veterans um, and it, then it turned into World War II veterans. And I started photographing World War II veterans. Um, I have photographed over a hundred World War II veterans. I've interviewed them. Um, some are lovely, amazing interviews, and some are uh, emotional, uh, tear-jerking. Uh, uh, some of these guys will tell you stories about uh, combat or about uh, losing a brother in, in a combat situation. Um, and some of them will tell you about coming home. And, you know, these guys came home, and they were heroes. They, this was the America's greatest generation, and, and these guys – Uh, you know, went back and started rebuilding our country right away. They, you know, they went to work. They didn't talk about their service. They just got jobs and they rebuilt, you know, the industrial revolution. and and, Well, I mean, they they rebuilt back in the the United States. You know, some of them stayed in. Some of these guys actually did 20 or 24 after being exposed uh, to military life, and they kind of liked it. And some of them only did two or three years you know, I've had some that only did a couple of years and don't really feel that they're all that special and all that important. And it's nice to spend a few moments with, you know, a really sweet old lady and tell her that she's important to me and that her service was important to me and to the thousands of people that I hope will eventually see this picture, you know, and listen to her, tell her story about, you know, being in the core and about how she was of service. And, um, and guys that you know maybe are you know had some issues in the in the military and, and are dealing with the the traumatic in, you know parts of their life and maybe aren't uh, able to communicate that well and you know, i've had an opportunity to meet some some truly amazing friends um, i have laughed an amazing amount of laughs belly laughs with some of these guys i have cried with some of these guys when they tell stories um, I have definitely shed a tear, this is Don, um, he served with the, four second, uh, the 442nd, uh, which was part of the 100th Battalion, and it was an all-Japanese-American uh, all service uh, battalion. It was completely made, all the service members were Japanese-Americans, mostly Hawaiian-Japanese-Americans, um, and their officers were white guys. You know and um the the people who led them and he went through he went through uh, tunisia and went up through italy and went into france and he lost his arm in france to a a machine gun attack uh took his arm off and um and he passed away a couple of days ago and his daughter called me and it was a very emotional day because don's a pretty cool dude to sit and talk to you know um, so if you do pick a personal project and it's something where the, the, the people of your project are going to be passing away at a, at a very high rate, um, be ready for some emotional tears and some, uh, uh that's Tiger well, did, Lil.
0: Mickey, what, uh, you, that, that, that's great advice that, that, that you were giving there. And we talked a little bit about personal projects and we talked about persevering with what you've been taught and, and getting out there and you can make something of it. Um, what advice do you have for those that are? you know, getting ready to transition, whether getting ready to retire or have only done, you know, nine years like Matt. Um, What advice do you give about being a visual journalist transitioning to the outside world?
1: If you want to still do this, You know, I mean, I, I was very fortunate. I had a, I had my retirement. You know, so I, in essence, have a pension check. Um, so I set myself up so that I could live on my pension check. I mean, I'm, I'm married, and my wife makes very good money, and we have a very business like marriage um, where we have our bills. And so I made sure that my retirement check and and whatever else I was bringing in would recover my, you know, operating my photo business. Um, so honestly, I, I, get yourself. It's a business. Set it up figure out what you actually wanna do, um, and then uh, figure out what it costs to do that. I mean, I, I wrote a business plan for you know, being able to go out and do these projects. I wrote multiple business plans of what is it gonna cost me to have production space? What is it gonna cost me to have a studio? What does it cost me to travel to these places? Um, most of this stuff I do on my own dime. You know, I, I've been fortunate to have some of the printing taken care of by some donations from different places. Um, Some veterans organizations and things like that have helped me cover some of the printing, but all the expenses of going out and doing this, I've done on my own dime. So be prepared to spend money to start with. Now I'm very fortunate that again, our community, our group, our fellowship of, of, mass communication specialist or or communication visual artists um is small and tight and if you are out there doing work and you are publishing it and you are printing it and you are posting it online i hate social media but it is a necessary evil of pushing that stuff out there so people know you're working so people know that you're actually doing stuff because I got a phone call and said, "You know, hey, do you also do X? And, and would you be willing to do X? And I was happy to do X because it pays a really good day rate, which allows me to continue to do Y and Z, which are the things I wanna do.
0: And Brian, you talked about too, uh, the importance of that community and the importance of, of the network um, that we have. What advice are you gonna give to somebody that's getting ready to transition You know, out um, you talked about reaching out and getting mentors. Can you talk a little bit more about how valuable that is?
3: Yes. Um, so, I, I mean, we've hit on it before, but I, and you guys have been hitting on your personal projects, and I've I've had a few personal projects that I I started and I haven't really completed through. It's still just I got like five of them that are just sitting there. But uh, I know. Um, however, you know, once you 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 are determined, you you, you think you know where you're heading. Um, you know, I just uh, I just kept asking questions, like, how do I, um, you know, what workshop should I attend? What uh, um, who should I speak to about you know um, looking at my work and giving me good critique um, to to go into the direction I want, which is, you know, I I've been a portrait guy. Um, even though I, I love visual storytelling, I love people's faces. Um, I mean, I don't know if you why want to see share some of my us. work.
0: I'm going to share some work with us right now, a little bit of work that you've done through the years and, and what you love, uh, and then walk us through that. Walk us through your transitions
3: and, and, and that advice. So, um, well, it's funny cause I actually was looking, this is just some of my work. Um, but I, you were talking about, um, my transition, um, so when I joined the Navy, um, I was sent to, you know, the Navy and the military has got tons of machinery, aircrafts and, and boats and ships and, and, and I didn't concentrate on the people. And the people were the one the reasons why I came in. Are you seeing my stuff, by the way? No, you're going to need to share your screen.
1: Oh, well, see, I've been talking. Here it comes. Here it okay. comes.
0: I think it's just so, that slow Texas Wi-Fi.
3: Yeah. <laughs> no it's just slow me, um, with the, I've, this first time was doing zoom. So, you know, I, I, I shot a lot of air, you know, aircraft and ships and, um, and things like that. And I found a mentor and his name was Chip Mari. And when I showed him my portfolio, it was all this stuff that you're seeing here, um, planes and ships and equipment. And he's like, well, where's the people? Aren't the people, the ones that make the world go round and drive those ships and fly those planes and things. He said, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you until you show me people. So the next year, that next year, I, that's all I did was I, I switched gears and I started shooting, you know, equipment, but there was people in them, you know, um, and it just was baby steps. You know, I was, I was ne- nice. shooting, you know, thank you. Um, this one was actually my first mill win. Oh, that's Um, dope! I love that for sport, for sports, Um, and Mm -hmm. so you know the the next year I I bring it to Chip and he's like, "Okay, I see the people, but where are the emotions? You know, where where is that definitive moment and stuff like that? You know, like I want to see ears, eyes, balls, and teeth and stuff, right? Now, you know, of course, now I'm known for the dolphin shot, but um, yeah, I I got eyes, ear balls, and teeth, right? Um, and then he was like well I want to see humans I was like all right fine and uh you know so I I kept growing and I kept asking questions um and they still weren't seeing those definitive moments between people and you're not I I admit I don't have a ton of that in my work um while I was in the navy but one day um I was out with Mary Calvert and uh I was shooting I was shooting. Um, the, um, what do you call it? The, uh, it looks like the basis the sea, the sea tri- trials. I was shooting the sea trials. And she said, you know, you're, you're concentrating all on the, on what's going on in front of you. And there's so much going on behind you. And I noticed, you know, I don't have it here, but I noticed people coming together, having moments laughing and, you know, making fun of people that were falling off the, the monument and things like that. And I was missing those shots. And I was like, that's what Chip was talking about. And now Mary had to school me and drill it into my head. So, um, you know, uh, slowly going through that. And again, like I said, I didn't see that while I was in the military, but when I got out, let me switch screens here. Um, it really clicked for me. Uh, and I was, I was noticing, you know, these people moments show these interactions between people and, that's what I wanted to concentrate on, you know, this, these moments down, um, you know, where nobody sees the camera um, and they're just themselves having moments, you know, out in the park and stuff. And that, that speaks to me. um, And I, you know, again, okay, now I see what they were talking about. You know, this, I I want, I started a project and Mickey's going to yell at me because I've continued and finished it, but it's, it's called the lean. And when you see two people who are attracted to each other at the first time they're right here at first but as they talk they start leaning into each other and then you have a moment where there's a hand touch you know or maybe on the shoulder or something and I started seeing that as I'm photographing I'm like oh yeah this is really cool you know and and so I I started shooting that type of stuff um and uh I mean it doesn't really answer your question but you know as far as finding a project, um, asking people's advice. um, And there's just, like I said before, there's just so much um, uh, talent out there with experience, um, you know, both in the military and go to the Eddie Adams workshop, go to the DC shoot off, go to the DOD workshop, go to Missouri photo workshop, um, you know, apply for all those um, and they're just going to help you. Uh, Yeah, so that was my, uh, where I'm at now. I mean, I, I work for the USDA now and I'm not doing still imagery anymore. I'm doing video and I, I don't have any of the video but um, let me stop my screen sharing. But, um, you know, find personal projects and continue at it. Just, and this COVID's killed me. COVID, I was telling Mickey uh, earlier today on the phone, I haven't, I haven't shot anything since last March. So I'm going, we're going on a year and I haven't shot anything. I haven't picked up the camera. I, you know, when I go hiking or something, I'll shoot something in birds and stuff, but nothing that has filled my soul.
1: You know, he he, he talked about chip and I love chip because chip is that hard nosed photo editor that will um, I, I remember helping review a project and, and being, publicly embarrassed by Chip, by the fact that he said, what the hell are you thinking? You know, or, you know, that's the, I mean, if your mentor is blowing smoke up your butt and telling you, you are rainbows and, uh, you know, butterscotch and, and all of that, um, get a better mentor. Um, you don't need somebody who says that your work is beautiful. You need somebody who's going to tear your stuff apart um, constructively but somebody who's kindly going to tear your stuff apart and tell you, you know, when you get to a certain point, I mean, my, my mentor right now, I've got a hundred images in my veterans gallery um, and he now, and I've had a national show on this. I've had a museum show. I've, you know, I mean, it, it was a huge space and I'm, you know, like, oh, look at me. This is great. I'm blah, blah, blah. And he let me have my moment for a little while, but now he's told me, you know what? I want to go back and I want to sit down and I want to re-edit those images because I know there's a way more data inside those images, and I know your ba- black and white images could be way more expressive than you're letting your edits be. Um, and I think you need to redo your work. Um, and, and that's what I need. I mean, it sucks, but sometimes you need somebody to tell you your work does not rule. You know, you, you suck just as much as the rest of us, you know, and, and you need to keep working. You know, I need that motivation to keep working. I need that motivation to have to make up something new. Brian and I were talking about how it just sucks. I've shot two portraits in the last 12 months, well, six months. You know, I shot one the other day of a, of a biker. I still work on my biker project. Um, and I was so grateful to have somebody in the studio. And and I was grateful to be in a mask. And I was grateful to be able to create a piece of art. And when the guy started wanting to wanted to entertain himself and play with me back with he's like hey what if we do this what if we do you know the answer is always yes if a if a client or somebody you're shooting a picture of says well hey what do you think about if i do this the answer is yes because yes moves you forward yes moves the discussion in the positive um you know even if the piece doesn't turn out the way you think it should it at least generated the idea and and it let you you know expand upon an idea and it forced you to get creative with lighting or position or expression or the definitive moment to hunt and find for that definitive moment or something expressive in lighting or something like that so um, just, just work. I was so grateful to work the other day. It was, I mean, I love doing the production I'm doing and I enjoy doing that, but man, having somebody in the studio yeah. that brought in a motorcycle and some of their gear and, and let me play around with stuff. Oh, it was great.
0: Now, Matt, you, uh, working with all hands and, and working at DMA, we work around, uh, and I should say we, I used to, we, I used to work there, but yeah. so we work around a lot of young, you know, soldiers, sailors, Marines, and airmen. Um, that uh, you know look up to us in a sense um, um, for for what we've done in the, in, in this career field. Uh, what advice do you give them as they're transitioning at their at, at while they're at the nine year point while they're getting ready to move on? How do you let folks know that they that they're ready for visual journalism on the outside world?
2: No one's ready, man. Just a fact that's it. No one's ready. So what do you do in the absence of readiness? Uh, you tell them to file their v a disability claim that's it that's the most advice the most important advice I got literally that's it no, so it's yeah totally, definitely definitely anything do that could that, be uh... said has been said, but you know it, from like just like a creative artistic or career wise standpoint you know honestly, I haven't run into too many service members that want to do this after and most of them don't even cool. while they're doing it most of them don't and that's fine um so if we're speaking to like the select few who. Like a want to do this, b love doing it. Um, I don't. See, we there's, there, there, there's also there's also not a good there's not a good way to, to frame this or put this to because we we have been going through a pandemic for a year, right? So we, so if I'm a couple shades removed, we're all a little far removed from what it might be like to get out during a pandemic, especially with like historic unemployment, with the economy just kind of like on life support from Wall Street, uh, basically. Um, with everything working the way it's working, you know, this is akin to the 2008 financial crisis. This is akin to your 911s. 11s um, This is catastrophic. So honestly, like any answers we give right now may not be super relevant to the people we're trying to talk to. We don't know. Um, but you can always file your VA disability claim, and you absolutely need to do that. Well before you get out, and you need to right. document all your injuries, Amen. and you need to talk to people about the problems that you're having. That's Amen. the most important thing you can do before you leave.
3: Those those TAPS classes were vital, and I can't recommend uh, or I can rec- I can't recommend highly enough. You attend those TAPS classes because I filed for my VA six months prior to getting out, and the month after I retired, VA check. So you know I was I was comfortable, um, and Matt's right. Uh, you gotta do it. You gotta do it. And there, you know, there's so, again, there's so many, uh, taps, um, the, uh, DAV, uh, and then the fellow veterans that are always, you know, here to help you. And, you know, all of us will, will help anybody who reaches out to us. Um, but do it because, you know, there's definitely, uh, some boxes that you should check before you get out before you transition out that will,
1: yeah, you need to document everything that's wrong with you before you get out. Honestly, you know, if, if you snore, I mean, I'm on a CPAP machine now. But if I had done, if I had been a good boy and gone to the doctor and gotten onto uh, onto a sleep therapy, like I am now, and, and I sleep lovely now, um, and the VA pays for my materials, but I'm not getting any disability because of it, and and that's a big chunk that I missed out on because I was just going to tough it out and not go to sick call. So I, I mean, the sleep, th- sleep therapy is a little tiny thing, but I mean, there's a lot of other stuff. I mean, Matt's got two broken legs that, you know, definitely I'm sure hinders every every moment every day.
2: One one nice thing about like so like here's here's a fun little adage that you guys y'all can take this with you um, is that there's no winner in the trauma Olympics. That applies physically and mentally. But you, you're, <laughs> it, it what's what's you know the um, that's what's I think that's what's so important to stress, um, uh, Mickey is 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 you know. Document the stuff. It's it's like you have to have like two fights, right? You have to have the fight with yourself, and you have to have the fight with the institution. So uh, I don't know which one's harder, but probably the the self fight. But in order to seek help, you need to first acknowledge that the institution is maybe doing you wrong, and by telling you that you don't need to go seek help, they may be actively working against you um, in that regard. Whatever it may be. Um, And then you have to have that conversation with yourself, and that's all. That's you know, most people don't get past step one, Uh, and that's 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 the real problem. That's that's an issue there too, and that's that's something to just even if it's just mentioned, like you know, information repeated is information retained. Um, So it's worth being said over and over again. uh, Is is just you know, you need to have those conversations in the back of your head, um, and you need to you need to go do something about it.
3: Well, and I think, you know, at least those who, who did combat camera, um, it was drilled in into me that, oh, well, if you are documenting something or you're, you're hurt, you're, you won't be, a, be able to go to Iraq or you won't be able to go on this mission or that. And I got, I got uh, advice early on that you have to, just like Matt said, you have to have a discussion with yourself and realize The military is not life okay you're you're gonna have a life after the military so you know take care of yourself and i i made mistakes i didn't go to medical all the time um especially when i wanted to fly and get water physiology and get uh, ejection seat called and all that stuff i you know i was hurt and i was like no i want to go to that school first you know and and get those quals and maybe i should have documented some stuff but um am i paying for it now Slightly, just like uh, Mickey said, I got sleep apnea and I didn't record it in, while I was in the military. And, and you know, so now, now the VA is paying for my CPAP, but I'm not getting any money for it. <laughs> so yeah, that's a
0: very valid point, um, and it, and it's tough. That, that's having those discussions with yourself, uh, where where you're having to choose: or am I, you know, going to go to the doctor and tell them everything that's going on because I know doing so my days in a in on a flight deck or a cockpit um you know being an aerial photographer are over right and um or my my chances of of going and doing this or doing that are are now are now gone it's those are those things are tough those are hard discussions to have with yourself um but you're right matt there's 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 no real winners in 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 those situations uh in a sense there but there unfortunately is a a lot of losers in a sense yeah. of losing out on valuable benefits and things mm-hmm. uh, by simply not doing the documentation and, and, and taking care of those things as they're transitioning. Yeah. Um, and,
2: and, you know, yeah. it's, it, it's, it's, you, it's, uh, it, it's sinister. It, it is sinister because it, it even if you do get the help that you need, it's still not going to be a good time for you. Again, regardless of what that may be. Um, right. You know, it, it's just the institution, the bureaucracy, you just you need to poke it. You need to poke that bureaucracy. Um, and it's hard or impossible for some folks to do too. That's also something to consider. Um, it's tough. It's tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, just look after yourself, man, woman, whomever. And uh, yeah, we'll all get out of this alive. So, um,
0: so here's the question. And, and, and I'll pose it to, to all three of you. You have that, uh, that soldier, sailor, marine, airman uh, that's standing in front of you um, deciding whether to, to get out or stay inside of the visual journalism realm. Uh, what advice do you give them? We'll start
1: with you, Mickey. Are we in today's climate or are we 10 years down the road?
0: And that's the interesting aspect of it, is that we are in today's climate. And I know, Mickey, that you're a little bit removed from today's military climate. Sure. It's completely different, which Matt can speak on, because I think that Matt, I really do see Matt as one of the last of a generation of you know, visual storytellers for the military before everything literally went, dif- you know, went left um, in, in a lot of ways. So, um, so we'll start with today's climate for anybody that's coming to you for mentorship. Uh, but in today's industry,
1: what advice are you giving them? And how many do they have in?
0: 10 years. They're right in the middle of their career.
1: Honestly, if somebody was 10 years in, I would say that 10 years more to do, to have a pension, to be able to do what you want to do when you do, kind of like myself, like in my situation, um, I would grind it out for the next 10 years. And that being said, my last 10 years of the military was my best 10 years. I got exposed to the most people. I got the most opportunity for training. I got the most opportunity for advancement. I got the most opportunity to run into some most incredible people. I mean, you guys, um, you know, I wouldn't be sitting here on this panel if I hadn't done that next 10 years. Um, Because uh, I wouldn't have ever gone to ComCam. I I mean, would have been a ship sailor. And and honestly, I probably if I had gotten out at, because I thought about it, you know, I think I was at 11 years when when I was done with a sea and a shore rotation. And I was looking at going back to sea and I had, you know, I had two young kids and um, so for me, it was really easy. It was, it was, you know, it was absolute great benefits for my, you know, my then, you know, wife, ex-wife, now, um, and for my two kids who have grown up with a, a military dad, uh, and it gave us, you know, medical and yeah, you, know, you you got to look at it in the numbers. Um, the job is really pretty cool. I mean, we are not chalking and chaining airplanes. We are not working down in a bilge. We are not, um, you know, donning, you know, a triple F firefighting gear and having to, you know, fight fires and stuff like that. And those are all amazing professions, but, um, we're getting an opportunity to tell those stories, um, which is a, which is a, a a definite benefit or a definite uh, blessing in our life is to be able to actually be exposed to all those people. I look at military people that I've, you know, served with and, and had little conversations with and realize how narrow a career other careers in the Navy were, um, and how broad and expansive my career was. And, uh, you know, I, I was sort of a lab rat until I became a shooter at the very end of my career. I mean, I was a lab kind of guy and worked in photo and was a machine repair technician and stuff. I was, I mean, I was a lab guy for the first 12 years of my Navy career. And it wasn't until I turned the, you know, the 15 year mark that I became a shooter again. Um, So, I would say you know for all the benefits that those next 10 years might bring into your life I definitely would say that you should weight it um towards uh taking those benefits and looking at those benefits especially based in today's economy what's going on out here um it's I don't know if I could be the photographer I am currently uh, and I'm a photographer who gets to do the job he wants to do when he wants to do it I get to say no more than I have to say yes so um, that's a, definitely a, a blessing, you know, as a photographer to being able to choose and pick and, uh, work on the projects and the people. And, and, you know, I don't shoot production cause I don't have to, I don't shoot weddings cause I don't have to, I don't shoot quinceaneras. Um, you know, unless you are related to me, um, or I owe you the biggest favor in the world. I don't shoot general happy snap photography type stuff. Um, so, uh, having a pension, you know, having a a retirement check and and a disability check definitely uh, makes my life a possibility.
3: And Brian, for you. Well, I mean, Mickey hit it on the head. I think if you've reached a certain uh, uh, number of years, 10, um, doing the The last, the last 10 of my career went by so quickly because exactly what Mickey said, it it was by far the more exciting one Syracuse, Combat Camera, All Hands Magazine, you know, um, and then my last year and a half was literally on a, on a ship going down to South America and hitting four of those countries. It it just, the last 10 years was great. Um, so it, 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 the time flew by, um, I will say the first 10 years didn't fly by. Uh, so you have those thoughts, you have, well, you know, these, you know, at the eight year mark, I could probably get out and and uh, I picked up some skills that I, I you know, I know I can uh, accomplish and do things. But in today's world, today's d- drastically different than when I was at my 10 year mark. Um, sure, there's some GS jobs out there, um, but the, the civilian world, you gotta, I mean, Mickey's has been building those networks up for a while, so he's getting work, but it's a grind. You're going to have to grind it out to, uh, you know, find work coming in constantly. And, uh, I'm, I'm contracted with, uh, AP and, um, Zuma and, uh, another agency. And, They shut it down. All freelancers, all contracted freelancers shut down during COVID. It's only staff photographers. So any extra money I wanted to make shooting, I was shooting the Baltimore Ravens a lot and the, and the sporting, uh, the sports in out of Maryland that all got shut down. I don't, I didn't have an opportunity to shoot that anymore. And when I came back to telework here in Texas, (laughs) because my foot wasn't in here to begin with, there's no way I was gonna find freelance work uh, shooting, definitely shooting sports, um, you know, for those agencies because it's just staff, because uh, they, have, they have people they have to protect. Um, and so my VA, my military retirement, um, and I'm lucky I got a GS job, you know, I've got all that that is helping me uh, do stuff I, I wanna do on the side and love. Um, So my advice to that person reaching their 10 year mark is uh, think of the benefits, definitely do the the pros and cons. Uh, And in today's uh, climate, it is scary for someone who's getting out. And I I understand, Um, and it's, you're gonna find work. It's just might gonna be a little harder.
0: Matthew, you touched on it a little bit earlier about you don't have a lot of folks coming to you with these questions or anything else. But what are you seeing trend wise right now uh, being so connected with, you know, young service members that are that are visual storytellers in the Navy? Um, What do you see with them and what advice do you give them?
2: Um, So I think it's you can only you you can only speak so much right Um, to 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 your own experiences. And for me, as just kind of, you know, just like a white dude in the military, like it's been pretty simple. Like I haven't had to, I haven't had to deal with a lot of things. Uh, and you see where I'm going with this. It's, I think Mickey and Brian really kind of nailed like, kind of like the academic side of this, but there's an emotional one too. You know, like the decisions that you are making to whether you want to stay or leave for me personally, like I just, you know, I knew that my skill set could be used to better leverage, um, with a, with a, with, with a little more scope. Um, and I just like fighter jets. So I went and worked for the Navy. Um, but that's not, that's not, that's not everybody. That's not remotely everybody. Um, you know, that 10 year mark could have gone fast or slow for me, but like, you know, I don't know how, I don't know what it's like to be a woman in the military or be a person of color in the military and what kind of things that they're facing or going through, um, how the institution is maybe denying them opportunities. Um, Because like it's, uh, you know, I mean, right now we're on a panel discussion. It's all white dudes. There's something to be said about that. Um, And it's not an indictment of any of us. This is just kind of how it shakes. So my advice, um, again, is have that conversation with yourself. Have that emotional conversation with yourself. Evaluate if the institution is is actually helping you um, help yourself. If it's not doing that, get the fuck up. It's, it's not that simple, but it can be that simple. Um, and there's everything else you have to figure out, but it's tough. It's definitely tough. Um, yeah, that's yeah, about it. I was on, my advice
0: cents. has always been along those same lines. Um, if you cannot take advantage of the service, the service will take advantage of you. And, uh, and that's kind of one of the things that you you have to have yeah. a discussion with yourself.
3: Yeah. And um... well, and I, I had that discussion with myself quite often, and I'm sure Mickey will attest to this because um, he knows my background a little bit. Uh, I was one who always wanted to have cameras in my hand. And when they're like, well, you're not doing, I mean, Mickey, I, this is no, Mickey was a phenomenal, you know, great photographer and a great sailor. I wasn't a great sailor, because I wanted to be a photographer. Um, And that so many times, what are you doing to make chief? What are you doing to this? this? I'm like, I'm doing my job. I'm doing what I love to do. I'm producing what you like and what I like, and what's getting the job done. And I'm mentoring the people below me. And that's what I want to do. I don't, you know, if you want to make me chief, yes, great. I need the money. But I'm not going to put down my cameras and sit behind a desk. Not everybody does that. Johnny Bavera had a great position shooting. A lot of chiefs were out shooting. I get it. And it it might've been just a, you know, maybe my personal cloud that I was like, well, I, most chiefs I see, you know, put the camera gear down. Um, I didn't take that route. I was like, nope, I'm, I know what I want. And I, I went for it. And that was that I made that, conscious decision early on at around the 10 year mark when I applied for Syracuse and all that. And I was like, okay, I'm going to apply for Syracuse. If I get it, I'm staying the rest of the 10 years and, and, and retiring.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, I know to- when, when I put on chief and, and, you know, went on my first deployment as a chief, uh, and they're like, well, you, you know, you're going to be the crew chief and you're going to be stuck in the rear with the gear and stuff like that. Uh, you know, it was no, well, issue me my camera. It was it was a fight with the, with the institution, if you want to call it, that, no, I was still going to, I was okay with the fact that I wasn't going to get to go out on the really cool and the fast-paced and work out with this and that and blah, blah, because I, I was responsible for those 15 guys. Um, and I was responsible for getting our product back to j or to whoever else we were you know supposed to get it to um but every little funky job and and this maybe is also for the chief who doesn't want to not be a photographer um and when they retire wants to carry that camera and continue to be a photographer make sure you have the camera and go stu go shoot the stupid junk you know when when you're at the forward base and the guys are all out on the wire, but the CBs are pouring cement because they're going to put a new platform for a new generator over there, uh, go document that, because that needs to get documented too. Do, do the junk so that your guys that are coming back can get a break, because so, you're going to send them back out the wire. you know, give, Facilitate that break and take on the junk jobs so that your guys can go out and do the cool jobs. Um, you know, again, it a it keeps you shooting. It does. I mean, I won't show off any of the stuff that I shot in the military in my last four or five years because a it's junk jobs. It's 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 a lot of happy snaps. Um, I got to shoot the secretary of the navy for eleven days, bouncing around on a ship. It's happy snaps. It's it's glad handing. It's it's tons of you know. You know, uh, Secretary of England shaking hands with a million and a half other people. I bounced in, you know, seven different locations in eleven days, or you know, eleven different locations in seven days. Um, and and it's not there's there's nothing to it. There's no substance there. I didn't do any substance shooting, but I shot junk so that my guys could go out and shoot really cool stuff.
3: Where were you in my career? <laughs>
1: Um, well, I, honestly, I, I hope I was there for the guys I was there for. I can only be there for the guys I was there for, and 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 no, and and I know that Brian and I have even had this discussion for years now, post military. Of of, you know, I I love my retirement check, and I liked the job I did as a chief. I liked the job that I, you know, was able to be there and make sure that that we went from. You know, when 9-11 happened and we didn't have enough gear and we didn't have enough stuff and we didn't have enough training and, you know, and we were kind of doing our own field training to the point where when I left the Navy, that unit was getting professional training through, you know, through operator courses and through special, you know, uh, other people. And they were getting certified and they were getting better deployments and they were being taken care of when they were in the field with the people they should have been taken care of, you know.
0: It's tough. You, uh, you two, um, and, and myself a little bit, and in, in incorporated in that, came from a generation where um, we were absolutely the last of that happening when it, as it pertains to public affairs, mass communication, in the military. Um, nowadays, you know, folks, the, 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 they're going to keep a camera in their hands between, you know, two, the first two to six years, maybe up to the eight-year mark. Um, at that point at eight years, there's very few people in the military after eight years enlisted that are still holding a camera in their hands. And, um, and unfortunately the institution frowns upon them for doing so heavily, even more than it was for me. Really? And for the Air force. I was, I, you know, coming, being mentored by JT as he moved on and being ridiculed for being a master Sergeant in a master Sergeant position, an E seven position as a shooter, there was only four of them left in the Air Force, and he was in one of them, and he was still ridiculed. Um, and you're talking about an individual that gave back his whole career, mentoring, teaching, everything, the workshops, everything that he's done, and was still ridiculed by the establishment for not being a quote-unquote leader and manager, and, uh, and, 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 and almost ridiculed to the point where they were calling him selfish, in a sense, for the, most, for the least selfish person that I'd ever met in my career. And then after he left and, and he was, you know, and he was gone, then it came to me. Then it was me. It was like, well, you've been an airman this many years. You've, uh, you know, uh, you've really held on to that position. I was like, I didn't put myself here. I didn't put, you know, uh, you guys put me here. And uh, now you're ridiculing me for being here for so long, right? It was so weird to be in that special duty assignment right. and being ridiculed by the folks that are handing down assignments for blaming you for being there. Um, <laughs> and it, it became... It, it, it's a really weird thing that's happening um, as it pertains to generalists and specialists anymore in our career field. And um, now mind you, I think that the skill sets that these folks are learning at Denfo's, learning video, learning writing stories, learning public affairs, learning strategic communication, learning photography is all a beautiful thing. And I think that, if, but being a generalist in all of them is not going to get you where you need to be uh, towards the outside you've sure. got to find the, and, and trying to explain this to a lot of people is tough they're all different languages even though that they all fit under language they're five separate languages right. that you were trying to have these individuals learn and uh, and for that service member you have to find your language right find something that you love and that you want to do and the beauty of it is the beauty of photography the beauty of videography editing communication in general it's there, military or not Right. You like Brian said earlier, you learn the skill set. Matter of fact, military hours, 730 to 430, the worst times to shoot anyways. So you know, it, it's like it, it, it learn that skill set, find it, but understand that if you are going to maintain this throughout your career, that you are going to have to change because the, the establishment has changed. Um, you may be a photographer for two years. You may be a video editor for two years. You may be giving base tours for two years uh, because they're
2: all one career field now. And, and that's, which by the way, I could interject real quick. Um, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, that's that, that's that's another like primary reason why I got out of the Marine Corps is because once you've hit staff sergeant, you're, 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 it, you have sergeants not doing the job anymore. Um, right. And, you know, there's, there's like kind of, I'm talking, about speaking on the Marine Corps, but like the larger institution, if you will, the Department of Defense. Um, Benny, you're absolutely right, and it it just goes back to bureaucracy's only job is to is is to um, make itself more complex, right? So, as it grows and as it settles and as it does its thing, like a house, you know, it's just going to require more and more maintenance, and that's Mm. precisely what the institution is asking of our leaders. Where they're not asking them to be leaders, they're asking them to be administrators. And it doesn't take a whole lot of skill or effort to be an administrator. So right. it's, a, it's a real issue. It's a real problem. And honestly, if you know, if we're looking at like the meta strings pulling this movement, it's, it's the A, it's the upper out system. and B, it's the two, three, four year surface terms. you know, If folks don't have the option to stay in one spot and maintain that generational knowledge about the things they do, not only in their location but in their career field, How's that knowledge going to get passed down? There can only be so many workshops. There can only be so many DoD worldwides. It's so it, this isn't just a public affairs problem or a combat camera problem or a mass communications problem. This is a this is a military problem, and, and this is how it impacts our community. Um, you don't maintain generational knowledge. You backfill. MOSs and in positions with other failed out MOSs like in the Marine Corps, we got a lot of reconnaissance and intelligence drops people that did not want to be there. Um, and I know that's happening all over the services too. It absolutely is. You know, where do we put our bad eggs? Where do we put our folks? Oh, just shuffle them over here, whatever. So, you know, those are some of the things that are kind of like, those are the challenges we face, uh, when it comes to retaining that knowledge and just kind of like, spread loading that out. And it's like, look, man, I I like my job. (laughs) Uh, I don't see the Washington post, you know, not sending their 10 year veteran photojournalist out because the new guy needs to do their thing. And I just need to do paperwork back at the desk. That doesn't make sense. Um, and you know, obviously the military doesn't need to swing the pendulum that far, but there's a middle ground there for sure. Anyway.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, and again i understand the reasonings of why these these career fields were condensed and the numbers and it all comes it, it all comes from a leadership perspective and it all comes down to the numbers right um where they're going to make cuts and it's like are we going to take mass cuts in one area or are we going to try to condense this to to even keep this alive and then yeah, okay. in the crazy thing about our career field and our profession is that it is it is being cut and condensed and and um and, we're taking away from it in a time period of where it's the most important. It's you know fighting disinformation campaigns, social media, having mm. a voice and pushing the narrative forward on social media, recruiting for the military is, is, is taking hits, retention for the military is taking hits. And we were always the voice of the military members that helped to push those things forward, to help with retention, to help with recruiting, to help with telling the story of the military and being the eyes of the military for you know the civilian market and for you know our stakeholders that are that are paying the bills in in Congress, right? And that's the funniest thing about this whole dynamic on on our career field. And it's it's unfortunate. And I think this is not necessarily getting to that a bitch session, you know, portion of, of, of what we're talking about. But I think all of us are so passionate about what we were given, what we love and what we see and the potential in all of it and then what is essentially happening. But, uh, and then I'll go into that, uh, you know, to one of my last questions here for you guys is uh, we'll talk about reward and regret and, uh, and tell me about your career and in a sense of, do you regret anything? Do you regret the military experience and what is the greatest reward that you received from it? And uh, I ask that to all three of you.
1: Let me think about that for a second. Right. That's, that's a straight up deep question, Benny. I'm
2: pretty, I'm pretty close to the chest on it. So I could go first if y'all need a second. Please. (laughs) Um, uh, not a whole ton of regrets. Um, I kind of, I stumbled into the job Benny, you know, my origin story. Um, like it's because I broke my leg that I got into public affairs and I had no idea that the military had image makers, um, or this whole apparatus, honestly. Um, no idea when I first joined. But, uh, so, Betty, the question was regrets and what, and like, what, what and was rewards. it? What's oh, the reward
0: you received from your career and what's the, and do you have any regrets about the military experience?
2: <laughs> I regret that I just didn't say more. That's what I regret. You know, whether it was just like people dogging on each other, saying stupid stuff, um, Say racist misogynist stuff, or just like you know operating in an environment in which like the command was you know just super toxic, just not saying enough about that that's that's a regret that I have for sure, a hundred percent um so we gotta be loud about it now, right you can never it's never too late to be loud about it, but um yeah the uh my last tour, right I mean this is like kind of like my final reason for getting out of the military it's like i had kind of you know been there done that in some in some senses in some regards like i'd been on a combat deployment to afghanistan however short that was (laughs) i i went on uh, a unit deployment program where we went to japan for six months and just kind of sprung to a bunch of other countries to, to train with their troops um i've been all over the south pacific i've been all over the middle east i was in And then I went on a Marine Expeditionary Unit um, in 2017. That's where I went to Syria. I was in Syria for five months documenting the artillery barrage against ISIS in Raqqa. Um, That was, what was rewarding about that is um, it was just the first time that I had an actual opportunity to be with this group of people for more than a week or two weeks or a couple days. Like I was living with these folks for months in the, literally in the dirt, in dirt holes, like, you know, um, and just to kind of see how like my perspective on them shifted over time and like how I began to photograph them. And that was really cool. Uh, just to be able to like, Hey, just establish such a rapport with, with some folks. That like knew what they, they they really knew what they were doing too they were just really good at their jobs and like they were just really easy to photograph they're fun they're really fun we established that real quick one of the guys i interviewed the first night of our deployment when we got on the ship i heard him It was a section chief his name was uh adam chrisman and uh, as soon as i heard him open his mouth and start talking i went right up to him i was like hey man i'm matt what's up i'm gonna interview you one day i don't know when but i'm going to june 3rd three o'clock in the morning 2017. Hey, Adam, what's up? How about that interview? You know, if we just, I had all that time to get to know this dude. So like three o'clock rolled around, they're done with their fire mission. I could have like a four hour conversation with him until breakfast, make some coffee, smoke a cigarette, and then go sleep with 110 degree sun. It was nice. <laughs> it was uh, not nice, but like, you know, that was, that's the kind of stuff that will stay with you forever. Like those moments. So that was rewarding. That's what was most rewarding for me. Ryan, reward and regret, regret, well, Well,
3: (laughs) reward. I mean, I have a lot of, I had, I have a lot of experiences that uh, that were rewarding, but I mean, the brotherhood and the community that I'm part of still um, is really rewarding. Um, I have lifelong friends that I've known since, you know, obviously uh, almost the first day I joined the military um, that were in this career field. that's my biggest reward and, and experiencing, um, other cultures. I mean, I, you know, I went to Syracuse and in 2001, and I remember sitting in, uh, the ethics class and them arguing about these young students arguing about, oh, well, they don't, you know, this, the Middle East, you know, um, they were talking badly about the people over in the Middle East. And I was like, that's not it at all. You have no clue what you're talking about. You know, I was there. I had coffee sitting down in in the dirt um, in Baghdad and, and uh, in ba- in Iraq. And they're wonderful people. And I, I I am so happy I got to experience all the. I mean, I've been to 43 different countries while I was in the military. I mean, it's it, all those different peoples and cultures, and it's just so rewarding. Um, And then again, the brotherhood, I mean, I, you know, Benny and I, all of us here, you know, friends that I'm going to have for a lifeline. um, That's my reward. The regrets. Um, I think Matt hit on some that there was times where I saw things. And I think I talked to Mickey about it a little bit today earlier in the phone call. But there was things I saw my 20 years in the Navy that maybe I should have said something, uh, you know, to protect a fellowship man or something that was being bullied. Um, you know, there was nothing, I've never, I never really saw any fights or, I mean, there was always little skirmishes and stuff, people wrestling around, but when they picked on some people, um, I should have known better and said something. Um, and, you know, you, you get with the click and you're like, you know, okay, um, I, I shouldn't have let that go by. And I, I think that's a regret I have. And The other regret is uh, self, and this is self responsibility and, and uh, Benny, you hit on it a little bit on when you were talking about, you know, you're going to do two years in the still side and then all of a sudden you're going to do two years in the, uh, you know, escorting people around a base or something. Uh, That's an opportunity actually. And you'll find that out when you're trying to get a job out in the the, uh, GS world that, When you're escorting those people around and networking there, that's that's you're learning stuff about being a public affairs officer. And trust me, there's a thousand public affairs officer jobs out there. Um, And I didn't take advantage of those opportunities when, you know, I was sitting around. uh, I don't smoke, but I was coking and joking um, with the guys. I should have been out there, you know, shooting projects, more projects than
2: I did. And it doesn't stay in your system as long. That's smart. (laughs) <laughs> I had to cola, man
3: <laughs> <laughs> i actually had never seen uh we're being recorded i had never seen that stuff till i joined the military <laughs> 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 so it was but so that, you know that's my only regret is and it was, it was self-responsibility of going out and doing instead of goofing off um is maybe uh, doing more projects and 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 things like that, you know. Mickey, you,
0: um, what's uh, what's the regrets? What's the re- what's the greatest rewards that you'll you'll take with you?
1: Um, I mean, Brian touched on it. Um, the the brotherhood. Uh, the, I mean, and I say that as a general ne- gender neutral term. Um, I mean, I, I do believe right. that I have brothers and sisters. Um, in this family, it, it's a brotherhood um, that is made up of, of tons of people um, all over the place, and that's the the keyword is brother uh, or people. Um, uh, I have, I mean, I have people who, when I say, hey, I'm gonna go XYZ, I'm, hey, I'm gonna be in New York. Um, I've got people actually calling me up and saying, hey, while you're in New York, we gotta have coffee or do you need a place to stay or would you... I didn't offer to work out of somebody's SoHo studio um, if I had some veterans I wanted to photograph. They would be happy to give me their studio for however long I needed it for... And I would not have, if I hadn't met this person, at um, at an event, at a workshop, or at at a, a whatever you know, I met this person. At it was at at one of these workshops. Um, then I wouldn't have that that friendship with that person, and I wouldn't have that uh, that fellowship with that person. So maybe fellowship is a better word because you know it's gender neutral or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Brian and I sat on the phone forever today. I don't think I've had a phone call that long with somebody in a long time, but it's because we just, I mean, it was over three hours. It was, um, I mean, I went for my freaking hike and, and you know, got my exercise today while I was sitting and talking with him. And I realized that I, you know, I owe him more phone calls. I owe Benny more phone calls. I owe, you know, the I, I owe it to these friends who I don't see very often to to stay in touch better. Um so I guess that's a regret on top of a, a benefit that I'm, I'm, you know, very blessed. Bit, the military has blessed me with a life that has brought an amazing amount of unbelievably talented people and the talented people who are not shy of, of sharing that talent and they're not shy of constructive criticism and they're not shy to share a technique with you and they're not shy to share... Um, a, a project that they're working on that if you're working on a project that's sort of like that project, um, well, then we're all benefiting. You know, It's not like one of those like, well, you can't do this because I'm doing this. You know, I mean, if, if you're speaking about veterans, you're speaking about veterans, you're speaking about veterans. You know, We should all be speaking about veterans and, and our issues and our problems and our things like that, um, which brings me to it. I'm going to try to hold it together. Uh, brings me to a really big regret that I have, Um, you know, for the four years that I was deploying guys and gals uh, to um, arduous places in the world and redeploying them because I didn't have anybody left and then not listening to my own inner, you know, space when they told me I'm fine. I like it out there. I want to go again. Um, And, sometimes taking the easy out of letting them go back on deployment um i wish i hadn't let that happen you know i um i wish i had forced more downtime. um i wish i had been in the position i wish i had gotten promoted a little more so that i had a little more power um so that i could say no more often i mean i said no a lot in my last four years in the navy um it didn't stay a no super often, um, you know, sometimes no got trumped over the top of it, but uh, my no's happened, but um, I really wish that no would have been a, uh, an answer I used more when it came to people in the military and taking care of them. Um, I'm concerned, I'm, you know, I mean, I live with it in my head, but I'm pretty sure that one of our friends is not here with us anymore. Because of an accident that happened, um, uh, because uh, we deployed him too much, and it and it, you know, it messed him up, you know. And it didn't really surface for years, but when it did surface, um, it really messed him up to the point where you know he just wasn't himself anymore. And and I'm really hoping that it was an accident, and maybe it was a moment of not paying attention, and, and maybe it wasn't, and. But I do live with the idea that, you know, I've got it in my brain that it wasn't an accident. And I, I, I don't think I'll ever be able to let go of that. I don't think anybody ever could tell me, even if he came back and said, hey, Mickey, it was an accident. It was a moment of not paying attention, you know. Um, I know he was hurting, you know. And I know that we contributed to him hurting that much by letting him go out the door as many times as he did because he was hardcore combat camera warrior and he took on another deployment. And I think that that was the wrong thing to do. It was the easy thing to do. And it got the job done in the moments that I was in charge of the job, but I don't think it did the job the right way.
3: Yeah, that's a, and I, that was that was a powerful story. And I think it goes back to Uh, what we talked about earlier um, about having the strength to uh, you know, the inner strength to know you you've had enough and and you need to go get stuff documented because we're talking about life after the military. And yes, we had, we had all these experiences, but you know, if, you know, that person you were talking about, Mickey, um, you know, might've noticed this about him or herself um, and having, you know, okay, uh, yeah, I, I want to look gung ho and keep doing it because I did the same thing. I was like, I want to go on that mission. I, you know, my back is killing me. I got problems. I went on it and it just worsened. Um, I should have maybe gone to medical and got it documented and and you know, um, you know, maybe I'd have been better than I am now. So
1: yeah, and the the worst six inches on any combat deployed person. I don't care what field you're in, is the six inches between your ears yeah it's 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 where the most pain ends up you know staying i think for the i think it's the longest uh series of injuries is you know you just you hold on to that stuff and you relive it and and it just it's there forever you know
0: that is a very true statement um there's a lot of us that that live with a lot of things that we did and a lot of things that we've seen um that not a lot of people will ever know about and uh and yeah um so to anybody that's out there that's listening to this, that um, has been through these things, has seen these things or whatever, the best thing that you can possibly do is take care of yourself and go talk to somebody. Um, Get with the DAV. We talked about just transitioning in general as a veteran um, and you hit on it, Brian, getting with the American Legion, the DAV, getting those folks to look over your medical records, getting, getting copies of your medical records as hard as it is, getting copies of your medical records and everything and preparing yourself for the outside world, no matter at what point you are in your career. And I wish that um, I, I can't say that it was necessarily a regret of mine. Um, you know, but, uh, and we all, you know, touched on it, but just getting in and being honest with yourself and, and going and seeing when things do hurt, whether it's mentally or physically, um, getting in and going and talking to somebody. Um, because in the end, when you're out of the uniform and you take the boots off, uh, you're left with, with what, uh, <laughs> what remains. And, um, mm. and those that that's, that can that can be tough for a lot for a lot of folks it's um uh, there is such a sense of security when you're in that uniform because you're surrounded by people that are going to protect you and take care of you inside of a base that's going to protect you and take care of you and the outside world is a much different space and you don't even realize it you don't realize those mm-hmm. those things until you know uh until they manifest themselves um when you know you hear it with the PTSD and, the, and, and, and these things like that. I've, I've known veterans that have, that, have, that PTSD has sprung up on them 10, 15, 20 years after they've been out of service. Um, it starts to manifest itself. Mm. And uh, or the nightmares start coming of things that they've been a part of. And so just just talking, you know, the old timers, as Mickey, you've probably heard it with talking a lot of your veterans. They talked about being shell shocked back in the day. They didn't have a word for it, right. um, but it's a real right. thing. And it's been there the whole time. And we all all deal with it in some form or fashion, but uh, they chose not to tell their stories for so many years. I've sat with so many veterans that I was interviewing them for the first time and from their family, World War II veterans, first time their family had ever heard their stories and heard what granddad or or dad had been through. And um, I would just urge people to tell your story, tell the stories of those around you, let this stuff out and get it out um, and talk to somebody because... um, that's that's something that uh, I've seen too many times with fellow friends that that come back and 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 hurt them um rewards and regrets uh, on the transition the military experience it was fantastic for me and and it's not that for everybody but for me it was it was fantastic um and it and it 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 raised me it raised me in a community that i'm proud of um I'm not always proud of some of the things but you're 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 proud of the experience and and everything that you um that that you learned and uh it's put me in a position to take care of my family and and be set you know and essentially for the rest of my life taking care of the rest of my life my benefits and my pension and my disability payments and those things that happen um it's it's tough you know i've got kids now that ask me about joining and uh my my own kids right about joining and it's like man do four years and get out like it's (laughs) that's my advice to them there's so many benefits uh, you know, you take advantage of what you can get your schooling, get your veteran status, grow up inside of it, and then you have to make that determining marker. And that and that that conversation changes every couple of years on whether you should stay or go. But whatever you do determine, only do what benefits what what will benefit you and your family, right? Because at the at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, that's the people that are taking care of you. And that's you know so take care of yourself in that sense. Um, it's our career field right. extre- extremely rewarding, uh, but it is stressful as hell. Um, it, it's merged with another career field in public affairs that is stressful as hell. And they took two. Mm. Of the, I, I read a, a thing when I was teaching at Denfos um, that was released by Military Times that said the top ten most stressful jobs in the military, and our career fields, and multimedia and combat camera were listed in the top 10 as well as public affairs and now those two jobs are merged together in a sense wow you know so again take care of yourself because those stressors are real and it'll get you burnt out super quick and if you love this if you love having a camera in your hands being a visual journalist a storyteller or whatever um you know take care of yourself because it'll get you so burnt out so fast because it is a fast paced job in a fast paced world um, for military visual journalism. Um, just just take care of yourself and enjoy that ride. It's, uh, and it'll tell you when it's over. The ride will, will let you know when it, when it, when it's over, whether that's career progression wise, whether that's health wise, whether that's, you know, just, you'll know. Um, and that's, but just trust, you know, trust your gut in those senses. Um, you'll know when the, when the ride is over. So that's the advice that I give to anybody that comes up to me um i i can't push you forward i'm not going to persuade you I'm, i would never try to persuade anybody to stay or go i will just say that you'll know when the time is when it's your time to go so gentlemen there this has been fantastic uh, and there's so what you much more more gentlemen <laughs> right <laughs> so much more we could talk it's about salty sailors yeah we we're, we're missing a you know we're we're just missing a soldier and a in a coast guardman uh, to to share in this conversation. Right. There's one too many seamen. Honor, sir. an honor. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I is there anything that w- that we haven't discussed that you would like to uh, to talk about as it pertains to um, a military career and then transitioning? Um, anything else that we that you would you would want to touch on?
2: Obviously, use your GI. I think we
3: covered it. I mean,
2: (laughs) we didn't talk, we didn't say a word. It's there. And and it's there for, it's it's there. And now, now for service members getting out, it's there forever. Forever. You can use it till the day you die. Right. So that's, that's the most, that's, I mean, I haven't used mine yet. Like, I'm probably going to take four years uh, soon and just like go up to NYU. Like, it's money. It's, I'm just, it's wasting money. Yeah. It is the thing too. Like, it's, it's, it's a house payment it's a mortgage
1: payment um yeah i was i was looking at it and uh you know now that it's a forever thing it's definitely uh you know even even if i went and had went back to photography classes and took the you know photo 101 and and played in the darkroom again and and uh, you never know that you might end up being able to be continued being a mentor to some of the younger people and, and, you know, try not to throw too many sea stories at them, but, uh, <laughs> you know, in, enjoy the, the smell of fixer and, and uh, enjoy the, the, uh, the finality of the fact that you only got 24 exposures in a roll versus a thousand exposures on a card. Hmm. Yeah. You know,
0: yeah. I think that's that kind some, of something to talk around about the, the idea. Things. I wish just in general, military experience in general, that um, there was somebody to, to, to school me on real estate um, with all these moves and buying homes and, you know, uh, I could be sitting <laughs> on a little nest egg at this point. How right many
1: now. homes do you own, Benny? No,
2: well, that's not
0: here nor there. But,
2: Interest-free uh, VA home but
1: loan. I will say that VA
0: loan, let me tell you about even just during this yes. pandemic, I've refinanced my house twice. Um, you know, during the, during the pandemic, simply because the VA rates are the lowest they've ever been ever and ever.
3: So um, 2.4.
0: Yeah. Well, less than two. Um, So yeah. Oh yeah, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) So it's a, now
2: threw it down on
0: the table. Now's the time to, to look at things like that. And, and, and the same, whether it's your GI bill and getting all that tuition free, you know uh, schooling while you're in if you love this job go take business courses and take photography courses or communication courses or strategic communication courses on the outside like brian hit upon um if even if you're thinking about going the gs route or staying inside this community you go from being a still photographer of 20 years to being a public affairs officer for the u.s marshals which is let me tell you it's a big pay difference and um and just having those having the skill sets um can put you to that next level because it's there's there are very few jobs out there that just say on the, in the GS side that just say photographer right anymore um or you know video edit video editor and i would tell you if you really wanted to make money out of what we're doing study 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 video editing as much as you can right because that's uh that yeah <laughs> and then let's let's do talk about the other big thing in the room that uh that was never schooled to me when I was young, I had it lost a build in a divorce, but your t s p right so mm-hmm. t max out your t s p while you're in service um nobody tells you it should be it, and you know what it is mandatory almost now when you start up the way that they're doing retirements now um you know just going on to I make- wish it was for me man I made
1: that mistake but uh oh it didn't know, even it didn't I even wish come to me i be made, i made that mistake
3: and yeah,
1: yeah. it wasn't even right. available until my last uh, eight years in the Navy. So I only got to contribute into it for eight years. Right. Yeah. But having that,
0: having the ability now to, to, to contribute to a TSP and then having the resources like the seasonal TSP uh, forums on Facebook where these folks are coaching you how oh, to, yeah. you know, I've, I've watched people during COVID, you know, make $250,000 this past year off their TSP by learning how to play the game. So get yeah. in, the, those are the resources that I wish early on as a service member that somebody would have came to me and said, you know, I was out going on every photo shoot that I possibly Ooh. could and turning down, going to the classroom, right? I, you know, I don't want to take school. Yeah. I don't want to take any courses because I'm on every TDY that I could possibly go on. That was, you know, the reward is, is <laughs> in front of you is exciting, you know, and you get to travel and you get to all these things, but to set yourself up for transition in the future, take as many classes as you can while they're tuition free and save that GI bill to do whatever the hell you want to do with it on the outside basket weaving in New York for $2,600 a month. Under <laughs> culinary budget, school. Yeah. Max, <laughs> out
3: your,
0: max out your TSP as much as you can. Um, and then, and, and buy property. Um, you know, if I would have bought a prop, I, I was stationed in my first assignment for seven and a half years. I should have bought a home really should have. Um, oh,
1: absolutely. No, that, that's something I should have done forever ago.
0: Is, is just, you know, I would recommend, you know, just real estate and and learning that market and that game as well. If you're gonna stay in through your, your career and you're living next to a military base, they're forever going to be there, you know, essentially, um, you know, buying property outside of that is only going to make you money in the end and, and, and provide you a nest egg in the end. So those are the resources that I wish outside of this career field that somebody would have came to me and said, you know, I could go back in time and tell my young Airman Davis self Though, that, would be the, that would be the pointers that I would give myself.
1: Yeah, rent is always gonna be more than a mortgage payment and you don't take anything with you. Mm. Yeah, w- wish I had learned that real young. I mean, it was nice to live on base for a little while and stuff like that, but a hundred percent, yeah. I didn't buy a house until after 9-11 and, and realized how much I lost out on the opportunities. Yeah, so
0: those are the things that I would do while I was in. And as I'm transitioning, Take that last year whatever, or six months or whenever you make the decision that you're going to, talk to your leadership and take the time to transition properly. Don't just cut and dry. Don't do it that way. Take the TSP classes. Take two of them. Uh, take the resume writing classes. Take all those things and, and prepare yourself for the outside. Get with the VA. The VA and DAV and all these other organizations have so many resources now for veterans that are transitioning and take advantage of them. I know a guy transitioned out of our career field, went to school full-time in George Mason. They bought him camera gear and everything else to go to school, and now he's doing his own business on the outside. So there's the VA will set you, can if you take advantage of it, again, it all comes down to that, uh, can set you up nicely uh, on the outside as well. So...
1: And those the, uh, paralyzed veterans, veterans of America is not for, you don't have to be a hundred percent paralyzed. You can actually have, you know, some issues or whatever issues, but they're definitely a great advocate in your fight against the VA.
0: Yeah. Find right. one of those, uh, those, and, those, what do they call them? The service organizations, the, um, it's like VSOs or, or, um, uh, there I can't even remember the acronym now been too far gone from the military, but, um, yeah, get yourself with a with a DAV American Legion or or somebody to help you fight that fight.
3: And I know that in the Navy, and while I was in, I don't know if you could do it still, but they you were allowed to take tap class twice, like like a year out or maybe a little longer than a year out, and then six months out. And I did it, and it, I mean, yeah, it's the same class, but I got all that refreshed six months before getting out. And it was wonderful. <laughs> yeah, just give that time back to yourself um i know
0: way too many people that you know they they get out they have their date and they they didn't prepare themselves in that sense um it helps you to prepare mentally and and just kind of to decompress a little bit physically as well taking yourself out of that role and i know it's hard to put the job down sometimes and it's hard leadership sometimes won't let you allow you to do it but um talk to them and and find ways to do so so gentlemen I think we've exhausted a lot tonight. And I'm gonna tell you, this old back of mine is hurting sitting on this, uh, this couch. But I've, uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed, you know, uh, chatting with you. And I hope that this is beneficial. Um, and it's been beneficial for me just even even having this conversation. And I hope it I think it's going to be beneficial for others, you know, listening to your experiences. Uh, seeing a little bit of your work. It's so funny. Here we are, you know, you know, four photographers and, majority of this was all words but um, you know thanks for sharing a little bit of your work with us and you and, and uh,
2: i could play a video for a close out if you want <laughs> uh, project. As, as my plug i have a project i'm working now
0: well i would like for <laughs> you uh at the end uh go ahead we'll start with you matt just um a- instead of showing or anything else but i do want you to plug you know where folks can find your work where they can reach out to you, you can find me on
2: instagram at galactic Warfighters or on twitch at boat cloak thank you boat cloak mm-hmm. brian where can we find you
3: well you can find me on instagram also it's brian i uh photography and uh so all the few social media obviously facebook and stuff and then i have uh my a lot of my imagery on Photo shelter um and i you know encourage people to reach out and And I I think we all love critiquing and stuff. So um, we're here for you. And, Mickey, where can they find you?
1: Uh, Well, uh, Uh, MickeyStrand.com. And, you know, MickeyStrand at just about, you know, uh, Instagram and uh, and all those things. I just found Mickey Strand and just snagged them all. uh, Myveteransportrait.com. It's got its own website now. Um, it, it took over my website to the point where it actually needed its own website, so it became its own website. Um, it's in the transition process right now. It's really hard to get into uh, see World War II veterans, and, of course, they're, they're leaving us really quick. So I am making a transition towards telling the story of the veteran returning from Vietnam um, who wasn't brought home to a hero's welcome And uh, that's my next, you know, big portrait project is to work on the veterans of Vietnam story. And uh, so that's what I'm currently kind of transitioning over to. But MickeyStrand.com, VeteransPortrait.com, and MickeyStrand at whatever, you know, all those things.
0: Well, everyone, thanks for tuning into Depth of Field. Uh, We hope you enjoyed this show. You can find uh, show notes for today's episode and links to everything we've talked about today in addition to links to all the social media that we talked about today at uh, aroundthelens.com. This is Benny Davis. You can find me at uh, Nikon.Warrior on Instagram, uh, or Benny J. Davis III on Facebook, uh, if you'd like to reach out. Um, It's been a pleasure to be with you uh, here tonight. And uh, we hope, uh, you know, we hope that we could provide a little bit of insight and um, an understanding to what it's like for a visual journalist uh, from the military, you know, transitioning outside of the military. So thanks for tuning in.